3: Hey, it's me, Colin, your beloved co-host of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for downloading our show and for supporting us. If you like what we do, consider telling a friend or leaving us a nice review on a podcast service of your choice. And if you really like us, like really, venture on over to Patreon and subscribe to Colin's Last Stand. Doing so gains you access to the weekly Sacred Symbols supplemental podcast we call Sacred Symbols Plus. And you can also get ad free access to every standard episode of the show, like the one you're listening to right now, three days earlier than the public. Other perks include submitting your inquiries and thoughts to be used on the show, and you can even determine some of the games we record Let's Plays for. I'll be frank, Collins Last Stand's Patreon is a bonanza of value. And hey, we have merch too, so check it out at tinyurl.com slash sacredshirts. So consider showing your support if you can or even want to. But hey, if you want to just keep listening like you are right now, that's cool too. We love you either way. Enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 66. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris, the Stranded Raygun. Chris, so sorry about that. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Yeah, Chris was outside of my building for 20 minutes or so waiting for me to come get him today. Yeah, I got here way earlier than I thought I would. Chris gets here usually around 2, 2.30 Pacific in the afternoon. And uh, on Mondays when we record, and he got here at like one one thirty maybe, yeah. And so my phone was just in the other room. I just did not anticipate it, but it taught me that you can never count your chickens before they hatch. No, never. And uh, we left Chris stranded out there on the Santa Monica streets for twenty minutes. Anything could have happened to him, by the way, because Santa Monica's <laughs> fucking decaying. I was such in the I was in the lobby. In fairness, okay, I was well, good. good. I was got just chilling, to... listening to music. Okay, no big deal then. Yeah, not huge. Because who knows what's gonna happen on the streets of Santa Monica at any given moment?
4: Oh no, you have you, you know. noticed
3: the decay around here? Santa bit. Monica. Yeah. I, I, in fairness, I've
4: only really spent this last year here. I never really came to Santa Monica at all before I had to for this because it's so freaking far from where I am. There's no reason. It's very far away. <laughs> so it's like,
3: ah, this looks about how I remember it a year ago. Well, well, let me ask you this. If we do end up doing if I do end up moving, and we do the show remotely. Does it kind of make you excited that you don't have to come here anymore? Uh, well, it gives me an excuse to get that pizza. Uh, the Joe's pizza. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's a positive. Because I feel like that would be because like I told you online, like you just you could be naked. You could do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. During the show, if I could be peel, I could be peeling my scalp open with a rake yeah. and you would be none the wiser. No, I wouldn't have any idea. So that's just something to keep in mind. It yeah, is. I would be really excited to reclaim that time, especially because uh, I hate being in Ubers. Yeah. And I have a really hard time faking that I don't want to talk to anyone. You know, I know you put your headphones on or whatever. Yeah. They always seem to find a way to penetrate that. I usually defense. always just
4: be like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm gonna knock out.
3: <laughs> and then you just look. At and then your phone. it doesn't even matter
4: if I knock out or not because yeah. then they they get it.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I as I've said in the past, I use the Uber. What is it? Uber comfort option now, yeah. which is like you can pay a few more dollars and just tell them ahead of time to just you just don't want to talk. You can do that for free, Colin. You just I know, it's awkward. I don't, no. like, I don't see like I because
4: this is fascinating because I already am feeling like I'm I am too old not to
3: tell people exactly what I what I need yeah I respect you that. know what I mean I respect So it's that. like no I, I don't want to talk right now. I respect your candor yeah how do you feel about the fact that I'm wearing a bathing suit today are you wearing are you yeah bathing suits are just shorts yeah they, patterns. Are. Like they, they are they're. yeah they are like remember when we were kids there was more bathing suits with like the netting inside do yeah people still wear those uh, kind of hmm. they kind of go up your ass and in your grundle and grundle what an awful word! This I is a place. I don't podcast. know what that space is actually called like, on your you body. Know, the taint. I don't. Is I, the other word? I'm not. It. I'm not all that curious. Well, I don't know that I'm curious about it either. To be perfectly honest with you, but anyway, welcome one <laughs> and welcome all to Sacred Symbols of PlayStation Podcast. We appreciate you very much. Go ahead. I, I haven't said this in a little while. I don't think, but go ahead and if you listen on iTunes or one of these other podcast services, go ahead and leave us a nice review, please. Yeah. Give us a five scar, a star review. I was going to say five score review. That doesn't make any sense. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us some nice text. Tell your friends and family about our show. We really appreciate it. Last week was a huge episode for us. We did a Last of Us episode, plus mm-hmm. a Last of Us uh, Sacred Symbols Plus as well. Now, the numbers spiked pretty significantly, but I'm not sure if it's because it could be one of two things. Either we talked about The Last of Us, people wanted to listen to that. That's probable. But also you released a video about our experience and really your experience with Kotaku when they wrote about us when they when we were disinvited from Right, past. right. It's been a minute. <laughs> and so I wonder if that also sent some new people towards our towards our podcast i'm sure correct. it probably did i wrote in your comments on the video although i didn't don't think you saw because your video get, videos get so much traffic i really appreciated that i was mentioned uh zero times except for in the uh, some small text in the beginning even though the story included me just as much as it included it 100 percent did so i was a little i was a little perplexed by that i, am but I had se- nonetheless enjoyed the video very much
4: i am a self-centered boy it's okay
3: Chris, as I mentioned before, Sacred Symbols Plus is our weekly Patreon exclusive podcast that we do a supplement to Sacred Symbols. You can support us on Patreon.com slash Collinslash stand for early ad free access to this show. Lots of different perks that affect this show and other shows and Sacred Symbols Plus. Last week's was all about the last of us part two. Our hopes, our dreams, our worries, our concerns, the things that make us hard, perhaps, <laughs> or wet. <laughs> the things that make us flaccid or dry. Yeah. And all of the things in between. So go check that out. This week, Sacred Symbols Plus, which we'll record right after this, is going to be all about our most anticipated fall and winter games. Super excited to talk about those because it's actually a pretty slow winter. It is. Which is I'm pretty excited about, personally. I've had enough. It's a slow winter except for that one day in October where everything comes out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like October 25th or something like that. Yeah, that's a little bit of an unideal day. Yeah. But otherwise, everything's great. We're going to be doing that. A little bit of a preview. I also promised that we would make any game kind of centric or review centric spoiler cast episodes free. Eventually, we did one for control a few days ago. By the way, control seems to be bombing commercially. I don't Mm. know if anyone's seen that. It's already 30 percent off on PSN. Mm. Really bad news for that game. It didn't chart last month either. Right. So we got ourselves a little bit of a bomb on our hands here. Uh, But nonetheless, I'm going to make the episode free this week. You can go check it out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins last stand. I was going to run it through the free free feeds, but I actually think I'm going to remove all of the extra episodes that we've done from the free feeds and just have them run through patreon for free uh that way we have i look at the the lineup of numbered episodes and then it's interrupted by shit and it really is actually getting on my nerves just yeah at i know so. exactly what you mean you know what i mean so i'm <laughs> yeah. gonna probably remove those so yeah go check it out no purchase necessary if you want to hear more about control our impressions your impressions maybe some random comedic impressions i don't yeah. know i don't know anything some about. frank caliendo impression frank caliendo as john gruden my favorite And just a quick note about next week's episode, episode 67, it will be recorded and released on Patreon a day late. We usually record on Monday and Ah, release it on Tuesday. Disgusting. Uh, We will record on Tuesday and release the show instead on Wednesday. So it'll be recorded on October 8th and posted on October 9th. This is to accommodate me going to Long Island. I'm going to like a family reunion. I'm leaving tomorrow uh, when this podcast goes live. I should be on an airplane, believe it or not. excited to get
4: some good bagels.
3: I'm excited about the bagels, excited about the pizza. Yeah, uh, tertiarily excited about seeing my family. <laughs> it's the secondary thing. But uh, yeah, I, I'm uh, really uh, excited to get going. But that will make our episode just a day late. But that won't affect free feeds at all. And I forgot to mention this, but but I made a big deal about this, Chris, on, on an episode or two ago about me going to the dermatologist and the cancer thing. Yeah. I am cancer free. I want to report. And uh, so glad actually I've heard from a few people that have actually made appointments to go see the doctor or have gotten their clean bill of health as well. Yeah, right. So make sure to go do that.
4: Yeah, thank God. I don't have to scramble.
3: Find, <laughs> to, a new, to, find a new, another to host? find another Colin. Who would you do it with? Would you do it with one of your roommates, perhaps? Bunty, maybe? I don't know, maybe
4: Bunty. I Bunty, don't know, yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't even want to think about that because it's too much work.
3: See, so you're going to get, I own, this, I own the trademark for the show, and so you're going to get all wrapped up in legal hell because there's, yeah. no, there's <laughs> no word on who gets transferred all of the documents and stuff like that. It's going to be a quite, quite a fiasco, but I don't think anyone will sue you for it. I'm going to be dead, and no one else is going to care. Uh. <laughs> All right, Chris, I want to have a bit of a serious discussion real quick with you, if you don't mind, in the audience about our relationship. Now, We've had these kinds of conversations in the past, but we have to have this transparent. We don't have to, but I choose to or we choose to have this transparent relationship with our audience. I think it's a positive thing. I think so, too. And so when we get essentially blacklisted or perceived to be blacklisted by a publisher, I'm going to let the audience know. And the biggest example, of course, was back in when we've really started the show a long time ago that we were pretty much immediately blacklisted by Ubisoft. So we don't get any Ubisoft games. They don't even acknowledge our emails. We're happy to buy them. The Division two, by the way, is one of my favorite games of the year. So we're not holding anything against them. Uh, And this happened as well when we tried to get Metro Exodus, Uh, the particular PR person that was running that third party uh, has beef with me. So we were just totally excommunicated from that game as well. Crystal liked the game a lot. I still want to play it. No problem there. But it seems like we are now on some sort of blacklist or being ignored by Sony. And I want to just let the audience know about that. So here's what's happened and what I want everyone to kind of understand. Right. Our show has a growing and thriving audience of PlayStation aficionados. But you didn't expect to hear that word, did I? any of you none of you expected to hear that word today but you heard it now
4: i hate that word because it sounds like my last name yeah it kind of does yeah, well I hate
3: that it doesn't really sound like your last no, name. no but it's, it's like, like it's a...
4: got the same uh, ending yeah
3: it's just the same bothers yeah. me you don't like that suff- yeah, what is know, that the, the suffix yeah yeah so we reached out i reached out to sony no fewer than probably six or seven times in the past six weeks or so about different things i reached out about medieval i reached out about concrete genie i reached out about blood and truth reached out about The Last of Us, and then I reached out on this email just asking, like, who do I talk to about Concrete Genie, about medieval and about Death Stranding? And they, we've just been completely ignored. Naughty Dog is like two miles from my apartment. They know that we weren't invited to the media event. We weren't even asked to go to the media event. And again, I don't think we're owed anything by these people. I, I just don't feel that way. But I do think we're owed a little bit, or not a little bit, just some level of professional conduct. Mm-hmm. And ignoring our emails and just pretending we don't exist doesn't make us go away or make our show any less important to the people that listen to it. So it seems like Sony has cut us off, and I'm in the, I, I don't know why, by the way. It's the same thing with Ubisoft. I'm like, I don't really know why we're cut off. Maybe it's because we actually tell the truth about video games on this show. But nonetheless, uh, I'm not, I don't beg for coverage, and I don't beg for those kinds of things. So I'm not asking Sony for anything anymore. If they wanna work with us, Uh, they can reach out to us and they know how to find me. And otherwise, we'll play Death Stranding, Concrete Genie and Medieval when they come out. We'll treat them completely fairly, as we always do. But I want to let the audience know that, yeah, it seems like Sony has cut us off as well. We don't really know why. They're free to reach out to us at any time, but I'm done asking uh, for for access. I'm not Mm. some fucking asshole that's just going to keep emailing you and you're just going to rudely ignore me. And if you don't want to work with us, then you can just tell us that. I mean, be an adult. It's really unprofessional that and I'll be buying all three of these games this fall anyway. And I'm sure Chris will as well. So, yeah, it's not a huge deal to us, but I want to let the audience know, like, well, why weren't you at the Last of Us event? Why? Why don't you have medieval right now? Why don't why didn't you reach the embargo for Death Stranding? Well, we're just emailing into a fucking void. That's why. So we're not asking anymore if they want to work with us. They can do that. This will go forward to the Last of Us and Death Stranding and PS5 as well. Uh, Does that that sound fair to you, Chris? Did I leave anything out? No, I think that's uh, that pretty much about covers it. Yeah, Okay. Very good. We always have, I want to have a two-way street with the audience. And by yeah. two-way street, I mean, I talk and you listen. And then sometimes <laughs> you reach out to me and sometimes I read it. So that's pretty much the two-way street. It's like, it's like a one-way street where sometimes you try to drive up the one-way street. Yeah, yeah. It's a little easier. <laughs> sometimes you get through. Sometimes another car comes down the one-way street. You have to back up and go another direction. And then it's a whole ordeal. Right. I don't know where that analogy was going. But nonetheless, I wanted to let everyone know that. Chris, Daniel the Awesome wrote into us on Patreon. Remember on Patreon, you can write into us by supporting us over there as well. It's the way you get your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas on our show. It says, Hey CNC, as a lifelong fat kid, I have to recommend you add original Tommies to your OMAD rotation. Visiting them is always the best part of any trip I take to SoCal. All other Cali burger joints can get bent, especially in and out yes keep making tuesdays great by stuffing your face with tommy's i am not a paid shill chris have you ever heard of this tommy's burger before original uh, tommy's i have not uh but i appreciate the disdain for in and out because yeah. i also can't stand it it's not that i can't stand in and out it's that i think it's vastly vastly overrated it may people make it seem like it's this california tradition of really fine burger dining but it's not it's, it's te- fine
4: it's awful you think it's i awful. think it's fucking terrible really you know why? What don't you like about it? Because my default burger always is a bacon cheeseburger, mm. and they don't have bacon mm. at a burger place, mm, Yeah, and it just kind of baffles me. That is a little weird. And I don't get it, and you have to, they have this whole secret menu, animal style.
3: You gotta order it animal style, and it's just the same thing, but messy. Yeah, it's got like a Thousand Island dressing. Yeah, it's and like, like okay, but, uh, what? Yeah. I, I don't like them because they pay their employees fairly. That's why I am like them like, <laughs> um, that's actually one of the great places apparently to work in fast food is in and out. They apparently apparently I was reading that a manager in In-N-Out. I mean, this is totally reasonable because whatever it's a private company, they can treat their economics, however, makes like 80, 90 thousand dollars a year, that's which pretty is good. And that's why I think they're really well run and they're always crowded. Yeah, I'm in the mood for one like an In-N-Out burger like every once in a while. But it's it's scarce. And the longer I've lived in California, the more I'm like, there's this burger place really has nothing, even on like The Habit and certainly on Five Guys. Oh, and yeah. certainly it's on got nothing dudes. on Five Guys. No, it's no, not even close. No, no, not at all. But I appreciate the recommendation and I'll keep that that into my OMAD rotation, perhaps when I get back the one meal a day rotation. Brandon Hofer wrote in a us and said, hello, gentlemen, I have recently caught up on sacred symbols and I wanted to get in touch with you to offer a bit of clarification on something. Mm. People always have their corrections, don't yeah. they? Recently, you were discussing Anthem entering the EA Access Vault. You surmise that Anthem entered the vault due to the player-based dwindling. While this might have been one reason, I can say it isn't the only reason. I was a beta tester for EA Access on Xbox One, and I've been subscribed ever since. It launched in 2014 on Xbox One. An EA game typically enters the vault approximately seven to nine months after release, regardless of popularity. Anthem was released in February of 2019 and added to the vault in September of 2019 as an example. Sometimes it is, even, it is even shorter. Madden NFL 20, for example, will most likely enter the vault in February in time for the Super Bowl, just like they did with Madden NFL 19 this year. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is another example of a game that will probably enter the vault during the later parts of summer 2020. I just wanted to clarify that a majority of the games enter EA's vault eventually, and Anthem's inclusion wasn't due solely to a potentially dwindling player base. Keep up the great work, gentlemen, and thank you for all, for giving us all this great content. Well, you're very well. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's fair. We do talk down anthem pretty often not from a gameplay perspective which i'm sure it's fine but just based on its health while well, brandon says not so fast Colin, yeah not so fast chris don't get <laughs> ahead of yourselves here don't put the cart before the horse and alex wrote into us and said dearest cmcm i've never really gotten that one before i'll accept that that's true I enjoy listening to your show every week, partly due to the intensely, intensely sexual chemistry of the hosts. <laughs> but mostly because of the vast knowledge the two of you possess when it comes to PlayStation. That's nice. That's Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear that. So, I'm, so imagine my surprise, my disgust, <laughs> he says, when such a heinous and reprehensible gap in your knowledge was exposed. By the way, when I was reading this, I was like, oh no, what didn't I know? Because yeah. when someone challenges my PlayStation knowledge, I'm like, oh. What does it mean? What do you think? What did I forget? No, allow me to correct you, he says. In general, a sheep in its first year is called a lamb. A juvenile sheep older than one year is called a hogget. A hogget? An adult female sheep is referred to as a ewe and a male as a ram, unless he's been castrated, in which case he's a weather. A hogget. That's right. The meat of an adult sheep is mutton. Please don't embarrass yourselves like this again. It is crucial to PlayStation fans that this sort of information is accurate. We were confused about what the difference between a lamb and a sheep was. Oh, yeah, I guess
4: so. Yeah, I forgot about that. Hug so. it
3: that's disgust that sounds sounds like a slur yeah it, um, I yes, hate that it does a lot. Sound like a, I hate does every sound like a slur. I
4: hate every single one of those words. Why is there so many words for that one animal that is, is so inconsequential in the grand scheme yeah. of things? They're if not, lambs
3: ran out if yeah. we ran out of lambs, mm. I don't think anyone would notice. no, I don't think anyone would care. They're really lame, boring animals at the very least, I mean, at the very least, we can say <laughs> that they're lame and they're boring, yeah, right at the very most. I wouldn't mind there to be a sheep genocide of some sort. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's fine. I mean, who cares? Right? Yeah, right. Who cares? Ooh boo, you can't get your cotton Ooh, swabs. You the cotton doesn't come from a sheep. The oh, cotton yeah. comes from a plant. What do you Oh, wool, yeah, it's wool. You can't get steel I'm glad wool. Glad I corrected that or you would have gotten. Yeah, you can't get Now is steel wool from like a really a really buff sheep. Yeah, it's like you <laughs> a know like lamb. in Borderlands how you have the badass enemies. <laughs> It's like a badass sheep, Is that's where you get the steel wool from.
4: I, I used to like to imagine that,
3: that a steel wool was just some crazy metal sheep. Sometimes, every once in a while, steel wool really comes in handy. You ever notice that? I mean, not only to wash dishes and stuff, but when you ever, It really does work. It, it gets yeah. shit out. Yeah. It's got that little kind of like pasty soap on it. it gets all the memories out, <laughs> out of your head. <laughs> I wish. Chris, let's get into what we're playing. You're playing Destiny 2 here, it says. Do you have anything to say yeah, about am Yeah,
4: gra- I'm getting back into it. I'm trying... I'm looking forward to this new Shadowkeep expansion, and I'm, I'm starting to be like, oh man, you know what, maybe I, maybe I I, haven't given the more modern years of Destiny a fair, shot, uh, fair shake, because I, I remember they changed a bunch of ways about how you do certain things, how you upgrade armor was changed, I was like, I don't got the time to learn all this, I don't got time to learn what all this fictional language means, or how to get it, and it's like, I, I'm done, I'm done, uh, but I'm just, I find myself sucked back in every time there's a new thing in it, uh, so I'm just, I'm getting back into it, it's still great. Uh, I'm learning slowly how to do everything again uh, but it's an enjoyable experience and my friends are back into it so it's that's a nice positive. Are you thing playing
3: too. it on PlayStation 4 or are you I am. It on Xbox 1? I am playing it on PlayStation 4. Oh look at you and, I, nice? and
4: they also because they enabled cross saves I can uh, go back and forth. So See that's very nice. Isn't it's that nice? real
3: nice. Yeah, That's really nice. I like
4: that. That helps uh, really keep me focused too because I had all these characters and had different progressions oh this one's done with the campaign this one's done with this expansion but not that one. It was a mess.
3: Very confusing. Yeah, I made it really hard. Yeah, <laughs> but now yeah, I'm like, afraid if people are going to use the cross save functionality or the cross progress functionality and accidentally overwrite shit. It's probably a danger, right? Yeah, but that was uh, happening in Borderlands. For it a has while. to be pretty deliberate. Like it's you have to go kind of out of your way to enable it. Yeah, so you probably know what you're doing. It's funny because I've been thinking about Destiny lately. I never played Destiny 2, but I played the original Destiny and I liked it. And I was thinking about just going back and playing the original Destiny for no apparent reason. Maybe I'll do that this fall before I even ever think about playing Destiny 2. I don't know why I would do it, but maybe yeah. I will. What do I care? Chris, I've been playing Borderlands 3 and Tales of Hearts R, so nothing has really changed there. Just a note on Borderlands 3, though, I'm level 33 now, I think. I've been playing the game forever. I feel like I've been playing this game forever now. Yeah. Every day I'm playing this game. I really like playing it. I think it's really fun to play. Yeah. But just the story, I've just stopped even paying attention to what's going on.
4: Yeah. I just
3: listen to to music while I'm playing. Yeah. Podcasts (laughs) are great, too, for it. It's fun to play, though. I'm really enjoying it. I will give it that. And I was a little nervous because I'm playing as whatever the, I, I can't even remember the fucking Irish guy. Oh, is. the, he or whatever. he's like, he's like kind of like your normal shooter guy. Yeah. Damn it. And I was reading some articles about how he's really bad actually in the late game, how he gets worse and worse. I'm like, oh, that's good because there's no way for me to like backtrack and be like, can I dump all these points into a siren or whatever I want to play as? So might be having trouble in the coming weeks. ahead. Maybe
4: I had a, an experience with Borderlands three that almost made me uninstall it. Mm. I came very close. Instead, I just stopped playing it and went to Destiny <laughs> and enjoyed my time. What happened? I hit this boss, and I'm sure you've probably hit it already because you're a way higher level than me, I, I believe, at this point. It's this boss, the, the, the Goliath thing, and you have to, you you whittle its shields down all the way down. It takes forever. You take its shield, its health down all the way, and then it regenerates it and gets a new name. Yeah, it's like a new and shield. And then it does that like five fucking times, yeah, and annoying. I was like, this is boring, and a waste of my time.
3: And it's not funny. Right. And I got so mad that I just stopped playing. It. I know the exact boss fight you're talking about. It's funny because those enemies, I think, a little later on come out and you have to basically train yourself to shoot them in the chest because if you keep shooting them in the head, they just keep spawning into these more and more powerful Goliath yeah. type enemies. It's a cool idea. But that boss fight was really I understand what they were doing because it's like those old school. Like platformer boss fights where it's like, yeah, or yeah. Castlevania where there's like five forms of the of the last yeah. boss. and it's
4: also a joke. It's like a tongue in cheek, like, oh, isn't this? Ah uh, ha, ha He mm-hmm. keeps rege- regenerating or whatever. But it's like, listen, that's fun in a game where the mechanics change with each round, or maybe it's like a platform where there's actually like things you got to think about. But in this one, you're just pumping lead into a into a target constantly. There's no real strategy going on. Right. So
3: it's just like, oh man. I got mad, like viscerally angry. Well, it's good that you shut it off at that point, then. Yeah. I ha- I've, I've encountered a few frustrating boss fights that I've gotten passed over. There was one boss fight in like, uh, I, I guess it's past where you are, I think, but one boss fight in some sort of theater, like some sort of mm-hmm. where you would see a Broadway play or whatever. I don't know what the boss's name was, but I was having a lot of problems with this boss fight and uh, just kind of went back. You see, the problem with Borderlands 3 is it doesn't really let you, first of all, bosses seem to scale and... It doesn't really let you level because when you go back to old places or you're like you're level 30 and you're fighting enemies that are level 25, you don't get any experience for beating them. Yeah. And I don't like I don't like that shit. I I think you need to deal with the experience economy a little more cleverly than that. You should be able to go back and fight old enemies and get the same amount of experience from them that you used to. I don't I don't like just make the scale much, much bigger when you're leveling up and, and let it be treated on the back end like that. That's what annoys me because then I'm running through these areas and I want to fight these enemies. But then I'm, they're like giving me no experience for like literally one or two experience points. I'm like, well, I want to fight you, but there's really no reason yeah, for me to Yeah, you're just wasting ammo for very exactly. little reason. So there's a little bit of a balance problem with the game. Yeah. But I, I got to say, like this, there are story moments where I'm like, I'm not paying attention anymore, but you got to let the story go and like these people talk. And I walk away and go to the bat. And they're like still, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, just let the next thing pop up. It does never start. It, the story gets progressively worse. I
4: didn't notice that. Because early on, I was like, ah, the writing's fine. It makes no difference to me. This is just like Borderlands 2 to me. But then it just gets way like indulgent. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, I.
3: Do I really have to listen to this? It's a good way of putting it. I also have to admit that with these re- repeatable bounty hunts that I've. I did a few of them like five times before realizing that they were just respawning endlessly. I was like, I think the game needs to communicate a little bit better some of these things too. And then they have repeatable quests in the side quest thing and it just stays there. There's a lot. Of, I have a lot of little issues like that with the game, but. It's fun to play. It is fun to play. I'll give him that.
4: It's when fun you're not to play. engaged in a tedious boss fight. No, when you're not. Yeah, exactly. And I that guess, is not hard,
3: by the way. Right. Not hard. Just tedious. Just disrespectful of my time. Right. It doesn't like you very much. No, it doesn't give a fuck about you. Hey, quick news addendum, by the way, we're going to put this or Dustin, I'm telling you right now, you can keep this in there. but You put this right at the top of the news. You put it right in the front. Yeah, please. Uh, just right. We were about to record Sacred Symbols. Plus, the news came out on Twitter and elsewhere, I'm sure. I only use Twitter, Chris. That's yeah, what, that's how I get all of my. It's the most
4: informative place, unfortunately.
3: It does have a lot of utility, doesn't mm-hmm, it? Yeah. But I figure we shouldn't wait until next week to say this. It says PlayStation tweeted 4:05 p.m. Pacific time on September 30th. It was. It is with great emotion. Hmm. It is with great emotion that we announce that Worldwide Studios Chairman Sean Layden will be departing SIE. That's Sony Inter- Interactive Entertainment, which is the um, publishing umbrella that publishes all the Sony games. His visionary leadership will be greatly missed. We wish him success in future endeavors and are deeply grateful for his years of service. Thanks for everything, Sean. I, of course, responded to that tweet saying, of course, you announced this uh, when we're done with Sacred (laughs) Symbol. Jesus. Chris, just a quick update for people. Uh, I'm just reading his uh, Wikipedia. I've only met Sean a few times in person. He was a really nice guy, but I only interviewed him really once in depth in 2014 when I was at IGN. But uh, he was the chairman of SIE Worldwide Studios. And before that, he basically worked in Japan at Sony and was there in the 90s in the aughts and everything, and basically ended up taking over uh, some positions held at once time by Jack Trenton and others. Uh, how do you feel about this? Anything to say? Really strange to just sort of have out of the blue. Yeah, I agree. yeah. Uh, I don't know if this my first of all, we wish him the very best because hopefully it's not illness related, hopefully it's not family related, anything yeah. like that. but it is a weird thing to announce on a Monday. It's a set, certainly a weird thing to announce on a Monday, the week after your biggest game. Because remember, Sean Layden's in charge of all the studios. So yeah, your biggest game is just announced. PS5's on the horizon. Mm. It's a little strange, it's right? W- kind of weird timing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So we wanted to at least acknowledge that. Yeah. So you guys aren't like, didn't want to Layden. wait a week and get it's all the comments. Is in the I mean, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. I don't even know what impression I was doing there. Uh, yeah, like, it sounds like someone you might have met. Yeah. Uh, maybe i met this person at some time this person that sounds like uh like that so anyway we wanted to listen, wish sean laden the very best we're glad we caught that just in time yeah see i always i always said to chris i'm like well i'll just i'll stitch something onto it later but i'm like chris is still here yeah we might as well just <laughs> we do something a little special right now <laughs> uh, all right so that's it sean Layden's out at sony we'll find out more i'm sure in the coming weeks what the fuck happened there and uh in the meantime we'll segue right back into the news just like so Chris, let's get into the news. There's quite a bit to get through this week. Mm -hmm. Some old things that we have to talk about, some new things we have to talk about. I want to start here, though. Number one, when it comes to the sales of its retail games and consoles, Sony is beginning the process of cutting out the middleman, a move anticipated for years, and a move coming on the back of the rapid crumbling of the largest game-focused retailer in the world, GameStop. In an announcement on the PlayStation blog, Sony... Uh, is opening its own online store. It announced it's opening its own online store to offer PS4 consoles, accessories, games, and more directly from PlayStation, end quote. The store lives at direct.playstation.com, and for the time being, Sony is starting small and scaling up from there. In addition to being able to buy PS4s, PS4 Pros, PSVRs, DualShock 4s, and more, you can also buy the following retail games that can be shipped directly to you. Astrobot Rescue Mission, Blood and Truth, Bloodborne, Days Gone, God of War 3, Remastered, Horizon Zero Dawn, Spider-Man, MLB 19, The Show, The Quantic Dream Collection, Ratchet & Clank, The Last of Us Remastered, and Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. While there are first and second party exclusives missing from this list, Until Dawn, The Order 1886, and Knack are just a few that come to mind, this list of games is a pretty comprehensive who's who of big PS4 exclusives. You'll note that these games are all Sony published, indicating that third parties are possibly not yet ready to scorn retail partners as readily as PlayStation seems to be. Adam Kelm wrote into us on Patreon. He says, greetings, insert alliterative nicknames here, <laughs> Colin and Chris. Now, I feel like that's a little bit of a cop out. Yeah, but we haven't had that before. in fairness. No, that's true. So I feel Adam, you all you started a trend, but I also feel like you're a little lazy. He says, longtime listener, first time caller with the reveal of the PS direct store and that Sony will now start selling hardware directly to consumers. It feels like the first step towards one of the first party companies willing to break the relationship they have with the traditional retailers. Do you think this will give Sony the incentive to start pricing games differently as well? With the inevitability for game prices to increase with the next generation, can we see a scenario where games at retail are eighty dollars but only seventy dollars from PS Direct, and even possibly maintaining the sixty dollar price for digital copies on PSN? Sony could also tie benefits into PS Plus, giving more value to the platform and attracting new subs while also saving money by cutting out the middleman. Curious to know what you guys think keep on making two or says yeah, I'm sorry, he says keep on keeping Tuesdays Great. Don't wanna don't wanna misquote him. Yeah. Chris, what do you think of this? I thought this was pretty interesting news to lead off our show with today. Yeah, we've often maintained that Sony needs its relationship with its retail partners in order to buttress its console sales at the very least. Otherwise, if you score an Amazon, for instance, we actually saw that with Nintendo for a little while. Nintendo and Amazon had beef to such an extent that Nintendo products were not sold on Amazon, which is uh, which has been remedied since. But was a big deal. Mm-hmm it seemed like Sony didn't want to bite the hand that feeds it because if that happens with GameStop, for instance, even though GameStop's crumbling, that's still a big deal if they were to say like, hey, we're just not going to carry your shit then. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. But what do you make of this whole uh, ordeal? I think, uh, I mean, this is a matter of time. This is probably just going to keep happening. <laughs> I, I
4: think we're uh, we're just seeing something that probably, in all in all seriousness, probably should have happened a couple years ago. I don't think this is going to be a big deal for PlayStation at all. I don't think this is going to hurt their sales at all. I think this is just... How people expect things to be now. How many people... Like, when was the last time you got a console at a store? PS3 Slim in 2009. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, every single console I ever had, since, I think, maybe the 360, I've gotten on Amazon. Because why? Yeah, would why, no, exactly.
3: why would I go? Because you can pre-order it. They'll send it to you the day it comes out. Like, it'll be... I remember Do when you I remember got going
2: to,
4: like, a store and being like, Ah, oh, we're out.
3: It's like, are you serious? Yeah. I came I, all this way? That happened with me with Wii and... Of course, I have bad memories of buying. Well, not I mean, it was exciting, but buying PS2 with my mom in October of 2000 when GameStop in a position of power at that point would only sell PS2 consoles if you bought a game, a warranty, a controller and a memory card. Otherwise, they wouldn't even sell them. So now it's it's funny how the tables have completely turned on them. It's not funny to the people that are going to that are working there, uh, of course. No, yeah, it's, it sucks. I think the interesting thing here, though, Chris, is that these are all with the exception of Bloodborne and the Quantic Dream games. These are all internally developed Mm -hmm. and they're all obviously Sony published. I think the biggest thing here, though, is the hardware because people are having a hard time still, I think, in places finding PS4 Pro. And this is just a way I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that Sony's not gonna have a full stock and unlimited stock of whatever you need. So at the very least, if you're having a problem finding a console or hardware, you can go to them directly, which I think is a really nice thing. But this will, the tale will be told when they start carrying third party games and selling them there. And I agree with the letter. This could be a way to start managing expectations about game pricing and how if you go to Walmart to buy your games, they might be 70 bucks next gen, but you might be able to buy them from Sony directly for 60 and digitally even cheaper, whatever the case might be. So this is a big flex from Sony. I'm happy that they're doing this, but I want to see an expansion. So like when I first saw the news, I was like, wow, this is awesome. They're going to be selling everything directly, but it's not. They're selling like a dozen games in their hardware. So it's it's starting small. Yeah, but there's some interesting if you guys are interested, if you haven't had a PS4 Pro or I think PSVR, I think is on there as well. They do have some special like opening store opening deals going on where you can buy them at a, at a discount. So go check it out if you'd like.
4: It'll happen. It'll happen. These, these, these systems are going to become
3: platforms. Indeed, just like Steam. Indeed. By the way, speaking of Steam, mm-hmm. Aaron let you know this, but I took a jar last night. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, I, I was, it was a weed jar and it was all empty. So I took it and I farted in it. Yeah. And I tried to seal it. but In it, it, an effort it,
4: to save the smell. Just to see what would happen right there's a baffling
3: event yeah 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 i agree I w- were it. you just bored i'm always kind of bored yeah yeah so that was just that was just a thing i saw it i had a fart it was one of those hot egg farts you know what i'm talking about i didn't eat eggs but you know what i'm talking about when it was like <laughs> when you feel it coming out and you're like this is not going to be a good one yeah. i farted in situations where i'm like i'm gonna let you know this too shall pass and it comes out and you're like this is this too shall pass it's bad news right I remember being at IGN once and farting. No one said anything to me, but I'm sure everyone smelt it. But I was, like, standing around. It was just bad. Like, I think everyone was curious who it was. It was me. Okay, it was me. This yeah. was back in... The mystery is solved. It's, like, 11 years ago now, but... Death Stranding has gone gold, meaning that Kojima Productions has finished core development and that the game is ready to be submitted for certification and publishing. Word comes by way of creator Hideo Kojima's Twitter account, where he notes that the studio was only founded three years and nine months ago and it's already done with its first game. Interestingly, he thanks Guerrilla, in addition to Sony and his own team, which makes some sense considering the game is running on Sony's Guerrilla-created proprietary engine, Decima. However, it it could perhaps indicate that the team was more involved in the game's creation than we originally thought. Either way, Death Stranding is now officially just around the corner. It comes exclusively to PlayStation 4 on November 8th. Dylan Wagner wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, Colin, now that Death Stranding has gone gold, is it time for a Colin was wrong moment? Or do you think that there is still a chance that it will get delayed? Thanks for the great podcast. Well, I was always of the mind that this game would literally never come out. So I was clearly wrong about that. Chris was right. Chris was right. Uh, indeed, I'm really interested in their incessant mentions of Gorilla mm-hmm. in, in the development of this game. They're always mentioning Gorilla and they mentioned it in the Gone Gold statement. Is it possible that Gorilla outside of Decima and managing the engine and documenting the engine and stuff? Is it possible that they worked on this game, too? That's what I'm most I interested in. I think it's in. possible. Yeah. It is
4: an open world, which is relatively new for Kijin. Not in, not entirely, because uh, obviously uh, MGS5 was semi kind of open worldish. Right. But I would assume that because it's such a new engine and because Gorilla has experience working with open worlds, obviously, that there was probably some level of collaboration, even if if it was like maybe as minor as Id's work on Rage.
3: Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that makes sense. I I just found that really curious because I was like, why do they keep mentioning Gorilla? Like other studios also use Decima. You don't hear Mm -hmm, Gorilla being mentioned all the time. So I, I found that pretty interesting. But congratulations to the team. I guess I was wrong. And no, I don't think it's going to get delayed. Once the game has gone gold, yeah. they have the the gold master. It's going to be submitted. No, the game will come out on time. So November 8th, 2020. Look at that. Alex Bolton wrote into us and said, do you guys see the strand game genre taking off in the future? With such a connected world we live in now, it only seems to make sense to bring that into every facet of a game. I think Death Stranding may be awful, but it may push a new genre into the forefront with its heavily connected world. PUBG was awful at first, too, and look at the hit genre it created. What do you think about this? About I of The under- strand game. What is that? What does that mean? I've not heard anyone talk about this at length, but my assumption is, is that the game Death- we don't really know what Death Stranding is. So we have to say that from mm-hmm. that perspective. We still don't really understand it. And I think that's obviously intentional at this point, but it seems what he's saying in the strand game about everything that happens in the game affects everything else and everyone's experience affects everyone else's experience. And it does seem I agree that it does seem like they're make they're trying to make something new. And now I don't know if this is going to be a genre because I don't think it's going to be even easily definable. It's not like Battle Royale. That's an easy thing to understand what they were doing. And that is kind of a take on just, you know, deathmatch and regular things that people were playing mm, yeah. shooters for decades. So I don't know that we're going to get like a strand type game. That is what the stranding and stranding, I think, means is the strands that connect everything to each other. Yeah. I don't know that you're going to see that as a genre. It seems like kind of complicated. And I, I think that this is going to be a smash commercial success, this game. But I'm not convinced that this is going to be a critical success the way Spider-Man or God of War were. And so there might be some apprehension from that point of view, too. Maybe it's not going to be very good. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh,
4: I have no idea. I'm intrigued in every facet of my being about this game. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea if I'm going to like it
3: at all. It looks like I might hate it, but (laughs) I want to play it, so... It's doing something right. Yeah, I'm definitely going to play it. I'm definitely... I mean... First of all, we're a PlayStation podcast. We really should be playing all the PlayStation exclusives. But I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah, of course, I'm I'm morbidly curious about what this game is at this point. Like, I have an intense curiosity and actually the it's funny because the gameplay they released from TGS is all in Japanese and they're talking over it in Japanese. So we don't have I'm sure that they have people translated and there might even be English kind of mirrors of that. But even looking at it, I'm like, it was just more confusing. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. So I got to admit that that in, that deepened my intrigue mm-hmm. ever so slightly. Yeah. But still, Death Stranding comes out in November. It is gone. Gold. Brian Searit also wrote in us and he said, hey, cheesy gordita, Colin and Crunchwrap, Chris. OK. See, so, yeah, I can I can deal with that. I'm really excited for Death Stranding, but I know it's not grabbing everyone's attention the same way as it is mine. I do believe there is more to the game than we've been shown in the gameplay demos, though I'm willing to eat crow if there isn't. And it may be my most anticipated game this year, if not for the RE2 remake. Have you ever been very excited for a game that many or even most other people don't seem to care for? Thanks for all the amazing content you guys produce and keep the five guys coming. Well, we will. It'll go in one hole and directly <laughs> out the other. Chris, is there a game that so Death Stranding is a game that a lot of people are excited for, but I'm actually kind of pleased to see the level of skepticism that people have for this game. I'm actually happy about that. Didn't expect it because people love Kojima so much that they really blind themselves to the many errors in in his games. And I I think that Metal Gear Solid Five, frankly, is a decent example of that. But with Death Stranding, it seems like there is just as much apprehension as there is excitement about the game. As long as you like go off of the comment, rather don't read the comments on the videos where everyone loves it, but read elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Is there a game like this for you where you were really excited about it, but people weren't because I kind of do feel bad for the people that are excited about Death Stranding because there's just so much skepticism (laughs) about it. It's kind of sad.
4: I don't know. I think uh, what I can't think of anything that I've been excited about. Maybe Crash Team Racing is like the
3: most niche thing. Yeah, I think that that's a good example of a game that, well, we were doing the show when that was announced and obviously when it came out and then obviously when it sold many millions of copies and I was a naysayer on that game. I'm like, who the fuck wants this game? This game is not going to sell. And then I was completely wrong about it. Yeah. So so maybe that's a good example of it, actually.
4: Yeah, that's probably the best one that I could think of.
3: I'm going to go like right now with that game. And we'll talk about it in Sacred Symbols Plus, but that game Concrete Genie, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited about it. I think it looks cool. I think it's going to bomb commercially. I don't think anyone's going to play it, but I think it looks really cool and and I'm excited about it. I don't see anyone else really talking about it. This is the, the important thing to keep in mind with game fandom, though, Chris, I think is who gives a shit, right? Like what if, if everyone, for instance, Death Stranding, right? If everyone hates Death Stranding, but you like it then who cares? Yeah. Like there are people that really like Metal Gear Survive, for instance, right? And I can believe it because I think I think it, it kind of scratched certain parts of, of, of my own brain and my, the way I play games. Mm-hmm. But does do, does everyone hating on Metal Gear Survive really affect it being a good game to you? Like, does it really matter? Th- those are the things people have to keep in mind. doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter what I say, right? Doesn't hey, who, matter cares? What says. Who, who cares? Who cares what, what anyone says? says? Go play your games. Go be nerdy and play your games. Chris, number, let's see what, we're on number three now. The Last of Us Part 2 won't have multiplayer, according to developer Naughty Dog. A somewhat surprising piece of news, considering how beloved the original The Last of Us' multiplayer mode called Factions was. However, due to fan outcry, Naughty Dog released a statement confirming the unfortunate news of no faction in Part Two, but coming forth with an even bigger piece of news, there will seemingly be a standalone The Last of Us multiplayer-centric experience at some point after Part Two launches. Naughty Dog's statement reads as such, quote, we wanted to address multiplayer in The Last of Us Part 2. As we've stated, the single-player campaign is far and away the most ambitious project Naughty Dog has ever undertaken. Likewise, as development began on the evolution of our factions mode from The Last of Us Part 1, the vision of the team grew beyond an additional mode that be, that could be included with our enormous single-player campaign. Wanting to support both versions, we made the difficult choice to the, to, that The Last of Us Part 2 would not include an online mode. However, you will eventually experience the fruits of our team's online ambition, but not part, as part of The Last of Us Part 2. When and where it will be realized is still to be determined, but rest assured, we are as big a fan of factions as the rest of our community, and are excited to share more when it's ready. "End quote." Nolan Potter wrote into us. Nolan Potter. He says, "Hello, Outcast Colin and Clicker Chris." What do you guys think of Druckmann's tweet regarding factions in The Last of Us Part 2? Should we be looking forward to a multiplayer-only game set in this amazing universe? Personally, I think Naughty Dog could revolutionize the genre, but we are already so inundated with multiplayer shooters that I can't help but think their talents are better served elsewhere. Thoughts? What do you think of this, Chris? This is pretty interesting. I think it's cool. I I also think it's cool.
4: It reminds me of uh, what CD Projekt Red was doing with uh, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, yeah. They'd seem to be splitting the efforts, be like, okay, listen, we're just gonna focus on the story until that's done and hammered away, and then we'll, you know, hammer out this separate thing that is still connected to the, to the game, but like kind of not. Right. It's it's cool. I like that.
3: I'm actually pretty excited. They really inadvertently announced a third Last of Us game. I don't know if it was inadvertent, but it it seemed to have gone over a lot of people's heads in that respect. Yeah. They announced a, a new Last of Us game that's gonna be totally separate. from part two which is a little bit different from cyberpunk i think because i think that eventually you'll get multiplayer wrapped into cyberpunk what they're saying here is that it is the same spirit though but what they're saying here is that like this is going to be a separate game and what's interesting about this is that people i've talked to at sony over the past year or year and a half uh that are in the know have stressed that sony and i've said this on the show that sony wants to stress second and third party multiplayer games Now, this would be a first party multiplayer game. It could be a second party multiplayer game. They might be able to farm it out, actually, once they design it. But this seems to fit the criteria. There's an interesting quote here at the end that I think is going over people's heads a little bit, too. I don't mean that as an insult. People are just not thinking about it. Um, What it says at the end is when and where it will be realized is still to be determined. Yeah. PS5, right? When and where. It will be determined. Well, they're a Sony owned studio. It can only appear on a PlayStation platform. The where, I think is really interesting. Yeah, so I think that's one thing. Uh, and rest assured, we are as big a fan of factions as the rest of the community and are excited to share more. So factions is the multiplayer mode. They're calling it factions. They're saying it's not going to be part of the Last of Us part two. So there are just interesting things here. It's gonna be a third game standalone multiplayer only game. It seems like it's going to be on PS5. And there's a lot buried in that statement. Now, I'm a little surprised by how poorly written this statement is. It's actually really
4: vague. It doesn't seem like they planned to have, you know, released this information
3: quite yet. No, I don't. It's funny because I don't think that they anticipated the outcry from the fans when they found out that Factions was going to be discluded because actually, and I'm not a multiplayer guy, but Factions was really good and... I played it for forty or fifty hours, and I don't. That might be the combined amount that I have played every other multiplayer game in the last ten years, right? Yeah. So, I really got into it, and I was a little surprised too. I thought for sure they would have a multiplayer component in the game. I get a little worried about the scale, and we've talked about this, but about the, and we're going to talk about it in the next uh, next news item. But the scale and scope of the game is actually making me nervous a little bit. Um, but it's just cool that they're willing to service that. My wonder, my curiosity is if they created factions too, for instance on the design board, right, and they started kind of crafting it and designing it. And then they were just like, "Ah, we don't want we don't have the room to do this. And then they put it on the shelf and then they saw the outcry and then they're like, oh, well, maybe we have an opportunity to actually make another game here. In other words, I wonder if the intention was always to do this. I bet you it wasn't. So that's the other thing. I bet you that this was something that was slowly calcifying as they were moving forward through development Mm -hmm. because factions, as I recall, came together really late as well. Yeah. And that makes sense because you're taking, it's just like any multiplayer mode in a single player game. You're taking all the finished maps, giving them to the designers and then letting them put them together in weird ways to make, you know, multiplayer yeah, maps.
4: It's on. a very different design philosophy that goes into multiplayer than single player. It's a Indeed. very, very different skill set.
3: So I thought that was pretty exciting. I, I know that a lot of people are, are disenchanted by that because they want it for free, basically. Mm-hmm. It's possible that factions will be free. It's yeah. just going to be a separate thing. And I just love that everyone was ignoring the the, the big quote of where and when. It launches when. in
4: February, right?
3: Right. The game will come out February 21st, 2020. It'll be interesting if
4: it's, if it's, a, la- if it's
3: a PS5 launch day. That would be Exclusive. huge. That'd be a really great. That would be huge. And I would love that. And I think that they're... Hesitance to say anything about that is due to the fact that the console is just not announced And you're starting to see this in more and more shit now where it's like next PlayStation next gen We don't even know if it's called the PlayStation 5 a
4: lot of trailers are uh, I've noticed that a lot of trailers now just say Xbox and PlayStation, which is cool, which is neat It means means we're on the precipice.
3: We are we are on the precipice. Brent Lindquist wrote into us and said, hey, fellas, Neil Druckmann tweeted that you don't actually have to kill the dogs in The Last of Us. Did you see this? I did. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, did you did you did you think this could signal that much or all of the game could be completed without killing anybody? I wanted to throw this in here as well.
4: No, because then he would have said kill, you could complete the game without killing anyone.
3: I don't understand how you're going to get through the sections without killing the dogs, but killing you just run away people. from them. <laughs> I guess so. See, I love that. Again, we talked about it last week. I fucking love that. Yeah, I think that's so neat. The. The. Uh, the dog situation in the game, like how they can smell you and they can track you and stuff. But I just don't understand. This hopefully reads to me that you don't have to kill many people, because as I've complained in the past, I would love to get through this game killing as few people or even no one. If I could do that, I think that would be fucking super cool. But yeah. that requires I don't want to say design shops that Naughty no dog doesn't have. They certainly have the design shops to make a game like they that. they have but, to want to make that. game. Yeah, exactly. And it's that people are all are, are, and I've brought it up like they talk about Dishonored where you can play Dishonored and just fucking kill everyone or get through the game without killing anybody. Dis, that's true. But Dishonored Arcane is not Naughty Dog and Dishonored is not the last of us in no. terms of its design philosophy and in terms of how good it is. Uh, it, it's probably going to be really hard to make a game that a sequenced as it were. But we'll see. We'll find out. But I'm glad I don't want to kill any dogs in the game. I'm going to kill them, but I don't want I don't want to.
4: The original Dishonored is great, but like it's also like. It's so cool to kill people in that game. <laughs> like, it gives you all these amazing abilities and expects you not to use them.
3: Come on. What I, attra- what I was attracted to about Dishonored back in the day, 2012, I think it was, was how much it looked like Bioshock.
4: It, and then, yeah. And, then and then it
3: was like it, a stealth assassin Bioshock game. It was really and cool. then it wasn't. So I was like, I don't want to play this. I was looking for anything. That was like Bioshock, you see. Why are you drinking Red Bull, by the way? What do you need energy for? What are you doing? I'm just trying to stay alive. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I was just, just noticing you were drinking Red Bull. Remember when Red Bull was like a more niche product? Like everyone drinks Red Bull now, but I remember when it was like more of a niche product where yeah. it almost seemed bad. Remember like Jolt Cola when you were a kid and shit like that? And all- no. <laughs> oh, maybe you're a little too young for that. There was a cola in, I guess, they probably still sell it, but it was like big in the 80s and 90s called Jolt. And it was like just packed with caffeine. That was like its big thing was it just had a shit ton of caffeine <laughs> yeah. in it. Hence the name Jolt. Red Bull reminds me of that. But now Red Bull only reminds me. I think they sponsor the New York soccer team in MLS. I think all the yeah. Red Bulls. So that's why I
4: think I'm from the Wings commercials.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, gives you wings and it was all the weird drawings and whatnot. Yeah. And then that guy jumped out of the uh, balloon in high Earth orbit. And that was sponsored by Red Bull. Remember oh, that? yeah. Yeah. Really, really. I don't know what we're even talking about anymore. Number four. Sounds like The Last of Us is ditching. It's strictly linear delivery, at least somewhat. This according to a quote from Neil Druckmann given to IGN, which reads in part, quote, depending where you are and the story, we might open things up significantly and say, here are some optional things you can go explore, some side stories. or You can go directly next to where you're meant to go. But the tension is not high. And as the tension ratchets up, we might tighten things up. So you might play a very scripted, authored Naughty Dog set piece. And we know we can go in both directions according to the need of the story. Ellipsis. Unlike an open world game that is usually open all of the time, that type of game doesn't work for The Last of Us because it loses tension. If I need to go rescue someone and the game says, "Okay, go rescue them right now or do these 10 other things on the side, you lose tension. End quote. I agree. What do you mean? I'm a little nervous about this, even from the perspective in which he's talking about it. Apparently, this was actually done. I didn't play it, but in Uncharted Lost Legacy, they apparently did something like this. And I wasn't aware of that because I didn't play it. But this idea of like going to these little hubs and then doing a few things and then moving on. That's not the last of us. And I don't it's want not. that. I don't want that. No, and I hate that. I'm not excited about this. Philosophy. I do agree
4: that it loses tension.
3: Well, exactly. That is 100% true. <laughs> it seems totally unforced. Now we can't judge it. We I uh, Again, we weren't invited to go play it, so I can't judge it from that perspective. But also, we can't judge the final product. But I want – this is one of the few games where I really want them to give me their experience, right? And I experience their experience. That's what I want. I don't want – I'm going to be really mad if there's, like, a quest log and all this kind of shit that's not – even they can't avoid this shit now. Even Naughty Dog is succumbing yeah. to the to the the mores and work. I'm, I'm
4: worried about Doom Eternal, too, because I heard that there was a hub world in Doom Eternal. And I'm like, please, no.
3: The hub worlds are getting worse in in Bethesda published games, which is a surprise. I mean, look at that Wolfenstein Youngblood game had horrifying hub world. Horrifying.
4: I didn't understand it at all.
3: Don't you want
4: the experience that these developers are like really qualified to deliver? Like, why? Why do you need a hub world? Why do you need quest logs? Why do you need? Oh, it opens up. Unless you can do something
3: crazy cool with it. Don't do it. I agree. I, I just don't understand I don't understand that, and I'm not excited about it from the way that they're talking about it. Adam O wrote into us and said, hail the two Caesars. Colin, after listening to you, your t Lou 2 show, and that's our Sacred Symbols Plus show from last week, there was one point I wanted to ask about. With religious zealots being a big faction in the game and a hyper-violent militia group put in, put in do you think games media will focus on this as a negative in Naughty Dog's new game? After Far Cry 5 and it being an election year next year, I feel like naughty dog could get hammered unfairly for this if they don't make the car- them cartoonish propaganda to some of these critics, which makes me sad. This wasn't touched upon. I wanted to hear you and Chris, Chris's view on this. Thanks and keep expanding the great CLS empire. Thank you, Adam. We will. Now, the we don't know what the game specifically talks about, but we know from some of the trailers, Chris, that there is there are religious Factions in the game, which Mm -hmm. I think is the most exciting thing to explore in this world, especially because the u.s. Is so religious now so imagine what it would be like in the uh, in the apocalypse and Also the idea of there being religion in the game and focusing on those kinds of things along with militias and stuff like that Do you think that I I think Adam has an interesting point here? Do you think that? the games media the liberal games media that whatever the, the the progressive games media that seems to find a problem with everything like they found problems with Far Cry 5 with the election year going, maybe even this impeachment kind of ratcheting mm-hmm, up and this impeachment yeah. inquiry and all that, do you think that they'll nail Naughty Dog for not making a message or clear enough about whatever might fit their agenda?
4: I'm sure some will. You can't really avoid that. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I do want to stress, like, uh, who cares? Yeah. You know, who cares what these people are <laughs> Like, as long as you like it, again, and they're probably it's probably going to be great because it's Naughty Dog. So, like, I, I I don't imagine, and I think even their pedigree is, like, so high that even... Even most of these journalist sites would have like a pretty big problem even delving into that territory Um,
3: I'm not all that worried about it. I think they'll be fine I think so too and I want to say that from my perspective The way Naughty Dog has been putting certain information out there in the trailers leading up to this gameplay uh, These gameplay demos from last week They were putting the violence first and foremost. They were putting the lesbian relationship first and foremost They were putting certain things where to me, it was like saying, like, we don't give a fuck. This game is doubling down on Ellie's lesbianism. This game's doubling down on how violent this world is. It's even yeah. worse than it was. And they disembowel a dude in the first trailer, mm-hmm. which I like couldn't believe. I think it looks fucking awesome. But yeah, I was no. like, wow, that's actually more violent than almost anything I saw in the original game. And they're putting that right in the trailer. So what I see from it is them saying, like, we don't really give a fuck. Yeah. And it's going to be what it is.
4: They seem like they just they're really good at just doing what they want to do. And I think it's going to be great. Probably, I, I do too. Also, religion is just so cool to explore in games in general.
3: I agree. I I love religion as a as a thematic device, and I've talked about that in the past, like especially in horror films. I really mm-hmm. love that. Um, I watched that movie Midsummer. Have you seen that? that no, book? not yet. I bought it on Amazon. It was like fifteen bucks, and I was I was like that's eh, a little expensive, but I wanted to really watch it. And I really love that movie Hereditary, and I like how they just that's more about pagan religion and shit. But I love just any religious aspects, because I think it ratchets up the horror so much. Yeah, the upside down cross and everything. I mean, think about The Exorcist and The Omen and all. There's really nothing scarier than those movies when you really come down. Rosemary's Baby, another great example. These are like legit scary psychological horror films. It ramps up everything. I think it's just so cool. That's what that's why Halo stuck out to me. It's like religious aliens. What? This is so cool. That's so neat. I think so, too. I love that as well. And that's not something they really explore too much in Mass Effect, which is a little disappointing, like polytheism versus monotheism versus atheism, whatever. They had a, a chance to really explore that as well, because I agree with you. They do explore this in Halo. And and I would be cool to see more of that because you would assume other creatures would have some sort of belief system. Yeah, right? it's weird that they don't. Yeah, it's kind of jarring that they don't. That's what I loved about Battlestar Galactica, too. I mean, that was all about religion as well. Yeah. And even machines finding religion and stuff, which I thought was pretty neat. That's cool. Anthony Gigi wrote in and said, hello, Colin and Chris, I'm kicking myself that I didn't ask this question on Sacred Symbols Plus last week. But with the talk of how violent The Last of Us 2 is shaping up to be, what are the chances it can get an AO rating from the ESRB? Manhunt 2 was originally rated as AO for its executions of enemies, and that was a PS2 game. This could be detrimental to the entire tone and vision that Naughty Dog is trying to convey. Is the rating a possibility or is it extreme violence just the norm in today's society and the ESRB won't give it a second thought? There's no way this. there's a 0% chance this game is going to be AO because by Sony's own modern rubric of game releases, they would not even be allowed to sell it on PlayStation, and they would have to make an exception for their own game, which I'm sure they would do, but they wouldn't be able to sell it in stores, and it wouldn't be at Walmart, it wouldn't be at GameStop, Target, any of those kinds of things, so there's no way, there's 0% chance that they would let that happen. There's a possibility the ESRB kicks it back to them and says this is an AO-rated game, but then they would have to edit those things out.
4: Yeah, I I'm not that worried about it. You can you can chainsaw people in half very viscerally in Gears of War Five, and right. it's
3: it's it's fine. I I really doubt it. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried about it too. A O, those games can be A O. Those games can be sold. <laughs> on, those games can be sold on Steam, I think, and on obviously on independent platforms on PC. But the big three don't let those games be sold. I actually think that sucks. I think they should allow A O games to be sold. I think there should be a a, a adult only marketplace for pornographic games and all those kinds of games. I think that's perfectly fine. And I think Sony's really going to be up against it with PSVR in the coming years with that because the the pornographic experiences on VR are going to be so enticing that their audience is going to start asking why they can't play them. Probably. Or experience them. So I think that they do have to overcome this uh, puritanical stance. But for the time being, uh, there's a 0% chance of that happening. And I remember the Manhunt controversy, but I don't think Manhunt 2 was rated AO. I, I I think that it ended up being rated M because they took some stuff out of it. And Manhunt 2 was banned in certain countries. I don't think they released it in Australia. I think it was released in some Central European yeah, countries yeah. as well. It also wasn't very good.
4: Didn't Australia ban Grand Theft Auto Five initially?
3: That's, I think so. I remember something like yeah. that. They're, they're really puritanical down there, which is interesting because they have such a from the outside they have a, a progressive slant. I guess that's not true. They
4: also have like go. a really rough exterior. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they're, they're some of the ru- not like rude in like a bad way, you know, like rude in like a New York kind of way. Like a really like they're really blunt and they curse all the time. They got those big Bowie knives. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: those Bowie knives. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number 5. What is PlayStation Assist? Well, if a new patent filed by Sony is any indication, it's a way for you to get immediate in-game help using both your PSN-connected console on TV and your handheld device like a smartphone or tablet. The filing for a patent was submitted just a few days ago and its abstract is somewhat gibberish laden, but here's the rub. You can vocalize your need for help in a game, and you could be helped instantaneously, as opposed to having to scrub through game facts or YouTube. Website Push Square describes it as quote effectively functioning like Alexa for PlayStation 4 games. The examples shown include Horizon Zero Dawn, where you could ask the game for nearby health replenishing items, and these would be then marked on the in-game map. There's also a Skyrim related example where the assistant explains how to obtain certain loot, end quote. So you guys can go read the patent. It's, it's public. You can go check it out. It was filed just a few days ago from when we were recording this. Sony p- files a shit ton of patents, including patents that are really exciting that they've never done anything with, like PS1 trophies, for instance. I remember them mm-hmm. patenting the, uh, the technology for that. This is probably something that will never see the light of day. And if it does, it will be see the light of day on PS5. But something to keep in mind. Nonetheless, PlayStation Assist. That's a thing. PlayStation Assist. Number six, it was a huge surprise when publisher Activision and developer Bungie went their separate ways, canceling their multi-game agreement over Destiny. It was even more surprising that Activision let Bungie walk off with the IP scot-free. But according to IGN, the newly publisher-unencumbered Bungie is planning to do more than just Destiny in the future. Bungie CEO Pete Parsons spoke to the website and said his company, quote, needs to begin transforming Destiny, the destiny that we really believe in, like the thing we think Destiny needs to become, the single evolving world. We need to focus on that. Ellipsis. So by 2025, we have a pretty specific path to make sure we transform Destiny, and then we have other franchises within the marketplace. We need to build our publishing group, but part of our vision is also becoming a multi-franchise entertainment company. End quote. Chris, what do you make of this? You're a huge Bungie slash Destiny slash old school Halo yeah, fan, man. so you must be pretty stoked
4: to I'm hear stoked this. stoked for him, yeah.
3: It's really co-
4: I, Bungie does really great shit, especially when they're independent and when they have a lot of free reign, and I'm I'm really... I'm looking forward to this, whatever the hell this means. Especially, I, it took me by surprise that they were like, oh, we got a five-year plan for Destiny 2. Like, they said that recently. And like five years from now. And it's like, that's wild. I didn't think there should have been a Destiny 2 in the first place. Honestly. They should have just like continued to evolve the first one. Yeah, I actually agree with you. But I assume that that, wasn't, I assume that, that wasn't an Activision thing. <laughs> it, it's hilarious. The way they talk about shit now is, is beyond funny. Like the way they do, like they'll do like video documentaries, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, you know, we wanted to have cross save in from the beginning, but uh, we couldn't for capital R reasons." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh my god, I, I'm I'm excited. Whatever the hell this means. Hopefully, this means a new marathon, new, new, like a single player focused, like tertiary
3: kind of project. That would be cool. Do they That'd own the Mar- marathon IP? I think they do. Yeah, I think so. Wasn't there word like a while ago? No, that's System Shock. I think I might be confusing it with, but Marathon has never been re-released. I don't think in modern eras.
4: No, it, it was it, they. There was a <sighs> Xbox Live Arcade version of it uh, that you could play, but it was still like you know the original. I mean, it would be cool to see a, a modern single-player focused Bungie game. That'd be that'd
3: be sick. We'll see. I mean, congratulations to them. They also have that dark Chinese money, so they can they do whatever do. They, they, they would do whatever <laughs> they want with it. Number seven, the MPD group has released a list of the top 10 best-selling PS4 exclusives, as well as a list of the top 10 best-selling games overall on PlayStation 4 deep in its life cycle. When talking about overall game sales, these are the top 10 best-selling games on PS4 exclusive or otherwise. Grand Theft Auto 5, Red Dead Redemption 2, Call of Duty World War 2, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Spider-Man, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, God of War, NBA 2K18, and Battlefield 1. When it comes to games you can only play on PlayStation 4, however, these are the top 10 best-selling games. Spider-Man, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, Uncharted 4 at Thief's End, Bloodborne, Days Gone, Infamous Second Son, MLB 17, the show, MLB 19, the show, and MLB 18, the show. A lot of shows. So this was interesting to me for multiple reasons. First of all, Days Gone, big commercial success. So you're definitely going to see a sequel out of that, although I think we've known that for a while. Spider-Man, the best-selling exclusive game, so no wonder they bought Insomniac. And then Uncharted 4 buried somewhat at number four. I thought that that was pretty interesting because that was a huge release, a Naughty Dog release. But it's cool to see Bloodborne on the list. I think you're going to see Bloodborne too, and uh, other things in the born or in the uh, what do you want to say? Souls type series mm-hmm. coming to PS4. And then the show, I mean, just keeps on trucking. And uh, I'm sure MLB 20 will be on this list before long as well next year. So congratulations to Sony for those big successful numbers. Great games all. Yeah, crazy. Number eight, website segment next encountered a couple of new trademark filings by publisher 2K Games, filings that indicate that more Mafia games are coming. One trademark is only for a game called Mafia, filed on August 2nd, while the other is for Mafia 2, filed the same day. The Mafia 2 filing, along with its related logo, is a dead giveaway of what it is, a re-release or remaster of some sort of Mafia 2, which launched on PS3 and elsewhere back in 2010, developed by the now-defunct 2K Check. The prior Mafia filing is unclear, though. It could be for the original Mafia game, launched in 2002 on PS2 and elsewhere, also by 2K Check, though they were then known as Illusion Softworks. It could also be the next Mafia game, which will be maybe simply called Mafia. The last Mafia game, Mafia 3, came out back in 2016, and Hangar 13 has been publicly dormant since then. With four global teams now, it's safe to assume that Hangar 13 is working on multiple Mafia projects all at once. Now, it's almost certain now that we see this, that they're working on a mafia game. These are also the guys that may be working on Bioshock as well. Yeah, And I saw a logo of theirs that I hadn't seen of Hangar 13s that shows the four different studios around the world. So 2K is doubling down on these guys and uh, we'll see what happens. But are you a mafia fan? Do you like the mafia games? I never finished any
4: of them, but I remember playing them briefly and enjoying every time that I would play them. Weird. I don't, I don't know.
3: I, I don't remember the original Mafia or if I played it, but Mafia Two was one of the last guides I ever wrote, strategy guides. And Mafia
4: Two was good.
3: It was good. It was a little ha- like it was in development forever. First of all, mm-hmm. I think it took like eight years or something for that game to actually come out, which is ridiculous. Or seven years. What I remember about it is that there were Playboy magazines in it, and yeah. I was writing the strategy guide at IGN, and so I was playing it at my desk, and you got to get like screenshots of all this stuff, and it was just so fucking awkward to have like these girls' titties on the screen, basically. <laughs> But that game was a little uh, you could tell that that was like a little bit like the getaway that old PS2 game in the sense that it had this this world, but it wasn't really worth exploring. It was just kind of getting you beat to beat. Yeah. Mafia three was really impressive from a storytelling perspective. But again, this world that was kind of big, but and bloated, but pretty empty.
4: I remember feeling like Mafia two, something about the tone about the the like that old American kind of vibe and like the architecture really, really stuck with me for some reason. Like I, I vividly remember that map even though I didn't really explore it much some of I like old american shit
3: yeah I, cool. I love i mean mafioso stuff from the 50s and 60s yeah. and even earlier than that is, is back to prohibition is is excellent even- uh, we we i just watched uh, goodfellas for the fucking millionth time because uh, we did a knockback on it so that's a great movie that's mafia like if you guys want to check that out but mafia 3 was really impressive i loved how it dealt with racism it dealt with the vietnam war it dealt with i love how the protagonist was black because you always expect to play like an an Italian guy or something like that in these yeah. games and it, not a black guy working for the mob, which I thought was, was and other illicit outfits. Yeah, really cool. Uh, yeah, so which I thought did that happen I was neat. Also, by the way. I'm sorry? Which did happen. Also, by yes, the way. Yes, of course. <laughs> Hilarious. Of course. It did. I can never be made because I'm half Irish and half Italian, unfortunately. Damn. You know, that's one dream down the down the drain for me.
2: You can host the best backyard barbecue.
3: Number nine, Sony is taking the unusual step of re-releasing the popular 2017 PS4 exclusive racing game Gran Turismo Sport as so-called Gran Turismo Sport Spec 2. Word comes by way of the long-running Gran Turismo fan site GT Planet, which notes that Spec 2 will come to PS4 on October 4th and that it'll come packing a significant advancement. The game will come on two discs, This is to accommodate all of the extras, DLC packs, and more that have been released for GT Sport in the last two years, and will also allow the core game to live on its own disc, independent of all of the extras, so players can jump right in without a ridiculously and lengthy update and install period. According to the website, Spec 2 will come with new cars and some other interesting perks and will be launched at a reasonable price of between $25 and $30, depending on where you are in the world. While Sony almost never essentially republishes its games outside of the Game of the Year editions, the website does note that Sony did make a similar move with Gran Turismo 5 all the way back in 2011. I don't remember that, but yeah, uh, yeah, GT Sports huge. Uh, Gran Turismo is going to be one of the I really do believe Gran Turismo is going to be one of the very important like keystones cornerstones of PlayStation 5 if they can make it into a free platform. Um, and that's what they're having polyphony do. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. But I don't it know. would be smart The the game is giving diminishing returns. It's not as big as it was in the PS2 and PS3 era at all. Yeah. And so uh, we talked about that. Forza is really eating and nibbing, uh, nib- nibbling, yeah, nibbling at its heels a little bit. So they have to try something new. And I think it would be really cool to really revolutionize Gran Turismo by making it a platform. So hopefully we'll see something like that. But nonetheless, if you're into Gran Turismo, you can look forward to that new edition of it, if you so desire. Number 10. If you were hoping for Red Dead Redemption 2 single-player DLC, we're sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not happening. In a conversation with website VG247, lead online production associate Katie Pika said, quote, we're 100% focused on online right now because there's just so much to do and we're just hoping to bring everything that a player can love about single-player into the online world and fleshed out, And quote. Red Dead Redemption 2's online producer, Tara Hamad, said, quote, We said it before, but we all love single-player games, and Red Dead Redemption 2's absolutely massive story and equally massive epilogue are hopefully evidence of that. The team's ambition for Red Dead Redemption 2 were sky-high in every way, and when we are building worlds of that scale, the single-player experience almost always leads the way. Our ambitions for online games are just as high, and with Red Dead Online, we are continuing to build and expand to match the world we created for the story, end quote. Chris, is this a big surprise to you?
4: No. No,
3: it isn't. It is not. I think we actually kind of called this a while ago. Yeah, because of the epilogue.
4: Yeah, it's such such a huge game. I don't even know what you could possibly want out of it. It'd be cool to have like a zombie thing or whatever. But those, I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary.
3: I agree with you. And I think this is interesting, actually, because I think you could read into this. Rockstar is pretty deliberate about the things they say and the things they let people say. And they're saying how, this was from Tariq Ahmad, Red Dead Redemption 2's absolutely massive story and equally massive epilogue are hopefully evidence of their love of single player. The team's ambition for Red Dead Redemption 2 were sky high in every way. And when we are building worlds of that scale, the single player experience almost always leads the way. That's interesting to me because we were talking about Grand Theft Auto 6 being an online only game, but I don't think so. This makes it sound like they're actually going to make a single player Grand Theft Auto game or I mean, that's what it says. Yeah. So... Mm, it kind of made me happy I don't want any more Red Dead Redemption I was kind of done with it But I love that game I thought it was great But I don't need any more of it It was 70 fucking hours Of my life I don't know yeah. that I need Another 20 hours Dumped into that But It's like Breaking Bad You know Yeah It's done and I'm I'm. It was great You're satisfied I'm satisfied well, what about the movie You're getting a movie Aren't you I'm
4: That worried. was like secretly I, I,
3: made Or something
4: apparently. Yeah there It's coming out soon Like I think On the 11th or something I'm gonna watch it But I don't need it To be good Right Because I've already Got
3: my perfect thing I understand yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just almost called you Dake, my brother. <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, Chris, because this, I, I just get excited. I love Grand Theft Auto more than I love Red Dead. And I would love to see them make a, a single player Grand Theft Auto game with that much love because I didn't feel like GTA I, from what I played at GTA 5, which was 10 or 15 hours, I just wasn't feeling it.
4: And no, I, I agree. I didn't I didn't feel it much. And I, Red Dead,
3: yeah, this is like this was a totally different experience. This was a real quadruple A experience, like they said at the initiative when they announced when Microsoft made that studio. So we'll see. What happens? But we're reading between the lines today quite a bit. Yeah, and we, we have to. Up. What else are we going It's do? our job. Number 11, 2019's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, not to be confused with 2007's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, is getting a timed exclusive mode on PlayStation 4, and it has a lot of folks up in arms. The exclusive mode in question is for survival mode, which, according to a statement provided to website GameSpot by publisher Activision, will be on PS4 only for about a year before Xbox One and PC players get it. This has proved controversial, though Activision and Sony have been working closely together on other games and other exclusives, not only in the Call of Duty franchise, but in Destiny and Destiny 2 for years now. Activision PR asserted, however, quote, everyone gets campaign, multiplayer and spec ops, end quote. This was a bit controversial. Did you see anything about, I did. about this? He, here's the, the the
4: issue with it is that it's a timed exclusive for a
3: year, which wouldn't
4: necessarily be a problem if Call of Duty wasn't an annualized franchise, because what this what <laughs> essentially means is that <laughs> The game mode that is unique to this game over previous Call of Duty games, people on other platforms can play that when the next Call of Duty game comes out. Right. And it's like, that is kind of shitty, I think.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I think that... I know people get up in arms about exclusivity. I think from a consumer standpoint, it doesn't really make any sense. I think that from a publisher standpoint and from a hardware perspective, it it certainly makes sense to lock this shit down. We just read the top selling games on PlayStation 4 overall, of which four of them are Call of Duty games. Mm. So Sony is wisely, I think, doubling and tripling down on its on its relationship with Activision. But to what end? I don't know. Are yeah. people really going to be that upset? None of you are going to boycott this game. You're either going to buy it or you're not. Are people really right. going to boycott it because it's got exclusive modes? It, it never works out that way. People, no, people complain not. about this shit every year. A bunch of people bought Borderlands. Borderlands 3 was uh, sold amazingly well. Right. <laughs> Best-selling uh, 2K game ever.
4: I do think that, it, that moves like this specifically, though, kind of uh, p- drag Sony into a bit of bad will, I think, optically. Because there's something, like, I mean, come on, like a whole mode for a year. When the next game is going to come out. It, it, it's a bit... Because they were doing this with Destiny. They had like some guns. They were, I remember they were like a handful of exotics, like two exotics that would come out for every expansion that would come out a year afterwards on Destiny. But the difference is that's like an item and you have plenty of those items and they come to you eventually anyway and you can, you can use them. And Destiny is not an annualized franchise, not, not technically anyway. So there it was, it was a bit of a difference in severity, but like this seems a bit much to yeah. me. Personally.
3: Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, but I'm, hey, it works.
4: It's a strategy that works for them. So
3: it's clearly working. That's what I was going to say is that I just don't think Sony cares about the optics because they've really, so, you know, they've really, no, to I mean, their clearly. credit, they have solidified themselves as a, as the Call of Duty console for when Xbox 360 was just dumb Remember, every Microsoft conference at E3 led with Call of Duty reveals for years. I, I hated it. <laughs> but that was like a big thing for <laughs> yeah, them. No, and I, and I, Sony I, yeah. stole it right out of the, under their nose. And it, and it worked because... I would be interested to see the pound for pound. They're never going to release these sales in a number in a numbers basis, but like, how well does Call of Duty do on Xbox compared to other Xbox games? Right? Is it is in other words, would the list look the same on both consoles when we're talking about the top ten best selling games?
4: I That's ass- what I'd be interested to see. I kind of assume it would, just because it is so big. You know, I, I'd imagine it would be definitely on the list of best selling. Chris, let's continue. Let us go.
3: This is an interesting one. Number twelve. A controversy of sorts is brewing between small games publisher Focus Inter- Home I'm sorry Focus Home Interactive and developer Frogwares. Frogwares is a Ukrainian team best known for its long-running Sherlock Holmes adventure game series which began back in 2002. Focus Home Interactive is a French publisher that has published primarily European developed games in tons of different genres. They most recently published The Surge and Surge 2, Vampire: A Plague Tale: Innocence, Greedfall and World War Z. But according to Frogwares, Focus Home Interactive has crippled their team, perhaps to the brink of financial demise, by opting to unpublish their back catalog from various digital services, including PlayStation Network. In a statement published to his website, Frogwares wrote, in part, quote, Some of our games are being removed from Sony's and Microsoft storefronts, and even maybe from Steam. This list includes our titles like Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment, The Testament of Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Holmes vs. Jack the Ripper, and Magrunner: Dark Pulse. Why? Because Focus Home Interactive, the licensee or publisher that was in charge of commercializing these games on these platforms, refuses to transfer the title IDs to us, the creator and IP owners of those titles, even though our publishing and distribution agreement has expired, end quote. The confusion comes from apparent verbiage in Frogware's contract with Focus Home Interactive, which has apparently never been exercised before. Quote, we are preparing ourselves for a significant loss, end quote, the statement says towards the end. Jonathan Thomas wrote in to us about this on Patreon. He says, Colin and Chris, happy day. My question is in regards to digital distribution. The game Sherlock Holmes Crime and Punishment is being taken off of the PSN store on Sunday. It's already happened. Adding to the list of games that have been taken off for business reasons. Should consumers be worried or cautious of an all digital future as it gets closer and closer? I know that the Sherlock issue is a weird one between developer and publisher, but whenever a story like this pops up, I feel like they are dismissed as being a weird example. I would like to think these companies would have figured it out by now with the movie and music business being all digital. This is interesting stuff. What do you... First of all, I want to throw in real quick that this is like the second or third story like this that has cropped up in the, in the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, and that I think that not necessarily about Focus Home Interactive, but others, specifically the small indie publisher Nicholas or Nicolas uh, removing shit without permission from digital stores. I have to say that I was probably pretty wrong in understating the issues that were going to be encountered, because I just didn't realize that publishers and developers were such at odds with each other in some of these contractual obligations that the the publishers were literally willing to just take games off, which is going to maybe kill the studio.
4: Yeah, that's kind of insane. It has been happening more and more often that I've noticed. So I agree. It is. uh, I (laughs) can't really call it a weird example anymore. No, no,
3: definitely not. Definitely.
4: It's definitely some kind of trend. They'll a- keep happening
3: there. Apparently, Chris, is an issue n- so that Nicholas or whatever, that publisher, this happened apparently with like Enter the Gungeon or something weird on one of the platforms. And they had said that Kotaku, as I recall, that they're literally not allowed to transfer content IDs to different entities, meaning that the games have to be taken off and then republished. And if that's true, then there's going to be a lot of problems because, first of all, that doesn't seem to be true necessarily, because, for instance, we were talking about Destiny 2. Destiny 2 wasn't removed and then published back up. They, th- those games were transferred. And for big companies, that's an easy hurdle to overcome. But for someone like Frogwares, they might have to recertify their games and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's a, that's money and time. And they're, they're relying on this revenue. Yeah, I think I was probably pretty wrong about I, I certainly didn't expect this, ish, this issue to happen.
4: No, certainly not. This is such a weird. This is a weird one.
3: DuckTales like is- Remastered was removed not too long ago.
4: Hmm. Yeah. And then they had the whole situation with uh, uh, what is it? Telltale. That got recently like right. kind of fixed, sort of. So, it's weird, man.
3: Yeah, I was wrong about this for sure. There's no doubt about that. And uh, we're hoping for a, a good conclusion for Frogwares and and Focus Home Interactive has been publishing some pretty good games. So I hope that you know I'd like to think that they're not being a dickhead and that th- there is some issue with this. But I don't understand why you would just take the games down if you if you knew it was going to hurt everyone. Like, why wouldn't you just keep keep it,
4: it up? It is a real, like a really morally at, like. <laughs> Pretty fucked up thing.
3: In other words, if the, if the if the reason is like we literally they're behind the scenes saying we can't transfer you the the ID, you have to either publish the game again or we have to keep it. Then you would think that would be like, well, can we just sign another contract to keep the games up while we right. figure this out? And it, it just seems so unnecessary. Like this seems to me to be Focus Home Interactive being like, fuck you guys, like yeah. because they probably didn't want to sign with them again or something. It's like either that. malicious or incredibly poor management. Right. Either way, it's wrong. Yeah. Number 13, if you're a money-conscious gamer, there's good news. A handful of new games have arrived on the PlayStation Hits roster, meaning that they can now be purchased fairly ubiquitously across retail and digital channels for $19.99 or your local equivalent. The roster already has 40 games on it, but these are the new ones. Far Cry 4, God of War, Gran Turismo Sport, Rayman Legends, The Crew, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, and Watchdogs. Some other, recommend, some other recommended already existing PlayStation hits from yours truly they include Mad Max, Horizon Zero Dawn, Infamous Second Son, Bloodborne, The Last of Us Remastered, Doom, and Killzone Shadowfall. There's a lot of them, though. You guys can go read about that. Yeah. Nice, affordable way to get some big AAA games. Yeah, a ton of great use. ones in there. And finally, Chris, a wrap up. Number 14, developer NetherRealm has revealed that its popular game Mortal Kombat 11 is getting an unusual three-player play, three raid mode called Team Raids, where three fighters can fight against gigantic bosses together. Website Push Square reports that Arise, a simple story, which was revealed during the recent State of Play stream, has a release date on PS4 of December 3rd, and that Auto Chess is coming to PS4 at some point in 2020. And finally, website Gamatsu reports that roguelike RPG Void Terrarium is coming to PS4 on January 23rd, 2020, that the previously discussed Atelier Dusk Trilogy Deluxe Pack is coming to PS4 on January 14th, 2020, and that Action RPG Yaga will be coming to PS4 at some point this November. Chris, let's get into the new game releases that come out this week as tradition dictates. You will read the first one, and we will go back and forth from there.
4: All right. A whole new world comes to PS Vita, and that's whole with an H. Uh, the city is being invaded by monsters from the upside-down world. You, the potion master, <laughs> <laughs> must defeat evil all alone with no tutorials or easy mode to assist you. Well, that seems... You can take a little dig at people. Yeah, maybe a little bit of a dig. You'll have to rely on the help of Faye.
3: Yeah, Faye with a, what do they call that? Umlaut? Umlaut? Yeah.
4: Umlaut. Umlaut. Your companion fairy and your potions defeat gigantic bosses and acquire their powers. All right. I'm going to check that out, actually. It's a Vita game, so, I mean, you're not getting many of those. No,
3: certainly not. And, And I think this is one of them that's not being published by that company that just doesn't care about trophies. Carly and the Reaper Man Escape from the Underworld comes to PSVR. Join the adventure of Carly and the Reaper Man in the Underworld. Master platforming to avoid dangers, solve puzzles, and build your way through dozens of fun and challenging obstacles to the finish line. Play alone or with a friend.
4: Destiny 2 Shadow Keep comes to PS4. New nightmares have emerged from the shadows of our moon, called forth by haunting visions. Eris Morn has returned. Join her to slay these nightmares before they reach out beyond the moon to cast humanity back into an age of darkness.
3: Ooh. Ghostbusters, the video game remastered, comes to PS4. Shop on your Proton Pack once again and join the Ghostbusters on the adventure with the on the adventure with the voice and likeness of the original crew as you battle to save New York. Play through a unique storyline as the player battles and captures ghosts, both well-loved and brand new. What the fuck are they? Once again, join the Ghostbusters on the adventure. Yeah. I, on the adventure. All man, right. Well, whatever, whatever. man. This is
4: widely considered to be like the third movie, right? Yeah, yeah. As far as I know.
3: Yeah, it came, for people that don't know, it came out almost 10 years ago, that, that game originally. Wow. Jesus I think it's Jesus 2010, Christ. 2009, something like that.
4: That's horrifying. LeGrand Legacy Tale of the Fate Bounds comes to PS4. Welcome to LeGrand, a beautifully hand-drawn world riddled with curious creatures, devastating wars, and intriguing tales of vengeance and redemption. Whoa. Ooh! Embark on an epic adventure through this sprawling fantasy universe and fight
3: alongside the Fate Bounds as they attempt to bring peace to LeGrand. Okay. Ling, A Road Alone, comes to PS4. Ling, A Road Alone, is a top-down hack-and-slash game. Following his heart, a young man starts a journey to find his true self across snowy mountains and sand dunes. (laughs) That's where I always try to find myself. Faced with tough enemies and fierce fights, his only choice is to keep moving forward with determination. Mobile Suit Gundam, that's
4: a name I haven't heard in ages. Mm. Battle Operation 2 comes to PS4. The battlefield extends into space. Defeat the enemy with your MS or launch surprise attacks as infantry. Grasp the shifting tides of battle and let loose your victory cry. Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation 2 uh, allows you to fight alongside your friends. Basic play free. I don't know what that means. Okay. Uh, Complete countless battles and missions and
3: become an ace pilot. I wonder if that means... That's parenthetical. I wonder if this is a free-to-play game.
4: Yeah, maybe... Hmm. Maybe? Maybe there's like a tier system of... I, I, I don't know.
3: Well... Whatever. Would have been nice to have that explained. Yes. (laughs) In the write-up. No way out, a dead realm tale comes to PSVR. No way out, a dead realm tale is a chilling VR experience that takes you to hell and back. Race against the clock as you solve puzzles in this haunted mansion caught between our world and the dead realm. Will you escape, or will you become just another lost soul trapped in Huxley's mansion? (sighs) I don't know.
4: Mad Huxley. Northguard comes to PS4. Northguard is a strategy game based on Norse mythology in which you control a clan of Vikings vying for the control of a mysterious newfound continent filled with mystery, danger, and riches. Northgard. <laughs> That's a weird way. To- <laughs> All right. Okay. The boldest Northmen have set have set sail to explore and conquer these new
3: shores, bring fame to their clan and write history. They haven't even rewritten it yet. They're writing it as we speak. Yeah. One Night Stand comes to PS4. This game actually sounds pretty cool. After a night of fun, passion, and one too many drinks, you wake up the next morning with a complete stranger. Will you stay and explore your relationship with the stranger, or will you escape as soon as you can? With 12 unique endings to discover, can you, can you keep up the act long enough to find out what really happened? It's a pretty interesting idea.
4: Sounds kind of funny. <laughs> I like that. Ready, set, heroes comes to PS4. Go from zero to hero in this fast-paced multiplayer dungeon crawler meets epic arena brawl. Choose your character, then race through random dungeons to slay monsters, dodge traps, and collect tons of loot to power up. Whoever reaches the end of the dungeon first triggers a vicious winner-take-all arena brawl.
3: This is a game that Sony is really getting behind, uh, I'll be interested to see how it all turns out. They've it kind of reminds me of Castle Crashers. Yeah, that's bit. how Castle
4: Crashers. That's how every boss fight in Castle Crashers end. You have to fight yeah, each
3: other. I like that, and of course, that's how the original Double Dragon ended. If you played yeah. with two players, you had to kill one of you had to kill the other one. <laughs> so good. Tic Tac Letters by Paugi. They're back. Comes to PS4 and Vita. Tic Tac Letters is a single-player logic puzzle game based on tic-tac-toe. Begin by placing letters so that there are no more than two X's or O's consecutive in a row or column. Then continue with new letters and larger and more challenging puzzles.
4: Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint comes to PS4. Become a ghost, an elite U.S. special operations soldier. As you fight to survive against your... Brothers who have turned against you. Put mm-hmm. yourself in the shoes of a Spec Ops sh- soldier. Spec Ops soldiers, a hard Speck thing to say. Spec Ops soldier. Speck sh- stranded. Stranded Speck behind enemy lines. <laughs> <laughs> stranded behind enemy lines as you explore the massive open world. Golden Ultimate Editions available
3: October first. So this is that's the day this goes live for patrons. That's why you read things aloud when you write them. Spec Ops soldier stranded. Nope. Yeah. I was hoping you got to read this one, but it's it's for me. You know, a girl who chants love at the bound of this world. Christ comes to PS4. Your love awaits beyond the bounds of this world. Play as Takuya, an academy student who discovers the secret to time travel thanks to a mysterious gift from his deceased father. Use the reflector device to travel through multiple timelines and gather clues to unlock the truth resting beneath Sword Cape. Okay. All So that's our releases. Those are the releases. Anything you wanted to point out, Chris? Um, One last stand 2? sounds kind
4: of cool. Destiny 2, uh, Shadow I King? mean, if, if you're a fan of Destiny, right. obviously, you probably already are down with it. Ghostbusters, I remember being kind of fun.
3: Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it when it came out, but I wonder if it's Activision, Activision published it the first time. I don't know if they're publishing this new one. They probably are. Ready Set Heroes again is a game Sony's talking a lot about, so they believe in it. We'll see how it all uh, we'll see how it all turns out. Let's end, as we always do, with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas from the audience. But before we do, Aaron Anderson wrote into us and said, hey, Colin, this doesn't count, by the way, I was going to count this, but then everyone would have gotten mad at me. So I'm not going to count. He said, hey, Colin and Chris, I love the show, but I had one thing I wanted to ask about regarding the show. The show's ending. Listening to the show is like getting a slow jerk from a supermodel. It's super arousing through every portion of the show. The ecstasy is unreal. But I get to the end right when I'm about to, ready to climax my looter shooter and bust my nut all over my cars. I'm driving. Holy, <laughs> this is vivid. And the show just ends with you saying goodbye. It's like the supermodel just stops the slowest, hottest jerk ever and gives me blue balls. I don't know if you guys have ever thought of having a closing segment, but I think mentally it would be a good way to tie a bow on the end of the show and to prevent me from having blue balls every Tuesday. Even if it is something short, it could be cool. Something like PlayStation memories from past generations, forgotten great PlayStation games of past generations or craziest gaming moments. I don't know exactly. I used to love bad PSN names. That's something we used to do on Podcast Beyond. But with the ability to change our name, I suppose that ship has sailed. Thanks for everything you guys do besides the blue balls. That ship has sailed. That was one of the great fun things we used to do way back in the day on Podcast Beyond because people's names were so horrifying that they would write in and talk about and beg Sony basically on the show to let them change it. Uh, Aaron, I don't really agree with your assessment here. This is the end of the show. Yeah. And you know what? Fuck you. We're not even going to do reader questions now because you said <laughs> that. <laughs> I just abandoned it. Uh, no, but I, I don't. I wanted to read that, but I don't really agree with Aaron Anderson's assessment. Yeah. As alliterative, wasn't it? Of, I mean, that's the the end of the show. Is the reader man? What, what else you want from me? Yeah, I think we naturally segue out of it for the most part. Yeah. I just give. We just give everything to these people, and they just never stop asking. They stop. They never stop. It never ends. <laughs>
4: Birthday parties, engagement presents. It never
3: ends. <laughs> it's true, though. If I can never go to a wedding again, I'll be perfectly happy.
4: Oh, yeah, 100%. Been to
3: too many weddings. I have to go to a wedding in a few weeks, actually. <laughs> great. Everyone's happy. What a great celebration this is. Here's some money. Let me eat yeah. this food. Here's a toaster. I got I to gotta dance now. I don't want to really do that. Yeah. It's a very awkward situation. It's always me. just such a, such a thing. Uh, it's just a big hassle. Don't get married. Joe Rodri wrote into us. On Patreon, just like you can say, yo, CNC, how y'all doing? When do you think we'll see more of Ghosts of Tsushima? It looked great at E3, but that was o- that was over a year ago. I loved Infamous, so I can't wait to hear more from potentially the last major PS4 game. Keep up the good work. That is true. It was over a year ago. I was like, what the fuck are you wow, talking yeah. about? But yeah, that E3 was over a year ago. Soon? I don't know. I, I, I don't know that you will. S- now they see now they have Death Stranding in the hopper and... The last of Us part two coming out in February. Yeah, so
4: I don't think they want to distract yeah. from those titles. So I would, I would imagine because Last of Us is a February game, I would imagine you'd either see something about Ghost of Tsushima at next year's E three or around next year's E three, or maybe earliest, I guess maybe May, for like some kind of just random trailer or maybe like a state of play during that time. But I don't think they're going to say anything about it now. I nope, think yeah. I think they want to ride the the goodwill of Death Stranding and Last of Us 2 before they show anything new.
3: Yeah, I don't have any problem with that assessment. Mm -hmm. I think that you don't want Death Stranding. That's how I would do it. Yeah, exactly. Get that time to breathe and then Last of Us give that time to breathe. And Death Stranding is really or I'm sorry, uh, the Ghost of Tsushima is really the last of these big exclusives that we haven't really seen much of. So I guess that might be the game. I always thought Death Stranding would be the game to kind of say goodbye to PS4, but it seems like Ghost of Tsushima is going to be that game from Sucker Punch. I'm very much looking forward to seeing more. I think it looks excellent. I think that game looks absolutely excellent. Yeah, But we'll have to be a little more patient. And people have brought up that PlayStation Experience just doesn't seem to be happening this year. Otherwise, we would have known by now they would have. Because I was even thinking with our when we do this, I I have a good idea. Actually, I thought about this in the shower. When we have our Sacred Symbols game on PS4 and Vita, whenever we announce that and then release that, we should have a booth. We should just have a booth at PlayStation Experience for the game. Even if they don't let us do a panel or anything like that, we should just go and be like, all right, I'll just pay to be here then and and pimp our game a little bit. That'd be cool. But we don't know if or when that's going to happen. The game's happening, not the PlayStation experience. Yeah. Isaiah Summers wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, with the recent trend of Microsoft bringing first party titles to the PC through Steam and Xbox Games Pass, what is the probability of Sony jumping in the ring with their first party franchises, Uncharted, Killzone, et cetera, coming to PC? This question comes in light of a possible Death Stranding port coming to PC and Sony owning Insomniac's Sunset Overdrive, which is on PC. Is Sony missing out on a whole new market? Keep up the great work. I loved this, Chris, because Isaiah has a great point. Sunset Overdrive is tied on console to Xbox One contractually, it seems. But Sony could republish the game on PC with no problems, and it already is there. So they could start experimenting by using someone else's game.
4: Mm, Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be smart I mean they're obviously missing a whole market Because it's a whole market that's not playing That's like by default that's true But I don't know if necessarily they're Eager to try Because it, again it, it seems like a very Software intensive thing To be able to do that kind of thing And if we've learned anything About Sony and software And just making shit Ah That might be a bit a bit rough for them They can't get PS3
3: games working on them. You know what I mean? That's true. I don't know. And I believe the Quantic ports, so Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, I don't know if Detroit, no, Detroit's not, I think Fahrenheit is, those are on PC, but Quantic did those ports themselves with Sony's permission. So that wasn't even a thing, that wasn't even a Sony initiative. I think Sony's getting money out of it, but they weren't the one initiating that port. Quantic did that themselves, as far as I know. So
0: Mm -hmm.
3: I heard a, a quote or read a quote recently, I think it was from Shuhei Yoshida, saying that they their job with first party and second party is to make games for their platform. Yeah. And that was like two weeks ago. So I don't know in the in the let's say in the twilight years of the PS4 with PS5 on the horizon. You don't want to talk about putting your games somewhere else. Maybe you yeah, do that not. later on. You could talk about that later on, but they've found so much success with PS4 and tying these games to PS4 than. Then why yeah. would you? I firmly believe that, like, in the middle of PS5's game, in the middle of
4: PS5's life cycle, I think you're going to hear something about PlayStation becoming a platform that you can play on a
3: lot of things. That would be nice. I think that's probably going to happen. And we've talked about that with Nintendo and Microsoft doing their own thing as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Virtual Console would be really cool on PS5 and Game Pass would be really cool yeah. on PS5. But I mean, Mike's, Microsoft's already, already doing all this shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm playing Cuphead on uh, Switch, which is uh, Microsoft. Or he's coming to Switch, too. Game. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking back at the list, the MPD group list that we read earlier. I mean, think about the, the exclusives that they're selling. If you just look at it from an overall perspective, tying the game only to PS4, Spider-Man and God of War are exclusive to PS4 and still are in the top ten best selling PS4 games, meaning they're perfectly fine putting the games on PlayStation platforms and leaving them there. People are buying them there mm-hmm. nonetheless. Let's jump back into the letters, though, here. Let me scroll down a little bit. There we go. Nathaniel wrote in and said, do y'all. Howdy, y'all.
4: Yeah,
3: Yeah. not a fan of howdy. I pre-ordered the Death Stranding PS4 Pro and I'm thinking about selling off some of my old gaming stuff that I hate looking at, as well as my base PS4 to try to recoup the cost. What is the best way to today to sell video game stuff? What do you guys look for when you go to buy used gaming stuff online? I don't really buy or sell used game stuff, but do you have any insight into this? I think I I don't do
4: any of that, but I do think I used to like back. It, like if I were to answer based on my experience, it would be completely out of date because <laughs> it was like maybe 2010 when I did right. this stuff. But I think um, I don't know like stuff like Dragon's Den tends to offer a little bit more than a GameStop would. Uh, but I, I think your best bet is like Facebook Marketplace. People are always looking for stuff on there, and and uh, you know obviously you can put stuff up on Amazon and eBay. I think those I think th- those are probably still the best places to put stuff out for as far as selling stuff goes.
3: Yeah, I also think that selling is not the ideal. I think that you would want, in my mind, to try to find people to trade with because I think that that's, that's where you're going to get the most value, right? Like, if you're like, well, I have two or three games and you have two or three games, can we just swap them? I feel like you get more real value than trying to find the lowest fucking bidder or whatever on... Uh, craigslist or certainly GameStop's not going to be giving you any money for your games soon so definitely not. (laughs) Uh, my brother buys a lot of used games though and he swears by ebay and that's where i buy a lot of my gi joes and stuff too like i've done a lot of private lot acquisitions including people that listen to the show have sold me some gi joe stuff which is great you can always reach out to me if you want to sell me your 82 to 94 gi joe stuff but ebay has been really cool because uh it's just trustworthy. It's simple. PayPal's all tied into it. It's
4: very col- It's very collector oriented. Yeah. EBay. Like most people just default to Amazon if they're just looking for normal stuff. But I think I think
3: people who are looking for very niche things go to eBay. Let's see. We have how, we have three more questions here. Got a little confused for a second. Judah Bailey wrote in and said, hello, Curvaceous Colin and Ketonic Chris. I don't know what that means. Okay. Chthonic. I don't know what that means. Colin has slated stated, I'm sorry, time and time again, that he hates the term looter shooter. I do, I hate it. Many people, Chris included, have no problem with this term, as it very blatantly describes the genre. So I ask you, Colin, what alternative title do you have for the genre? There are enough of these games now where simply calling them first-person shooters doesn't suffice, so I would love to know what you'd rather them be referred to as. Thanks for your time and effort with Sacred Symbols, and thank you for keeping Tuesday's and last Wednesday. And next Wednesday.
4: Yeah. Great. Was it Schluter that we heard before or something? Oh,
3: God. How do you like that one? I hate it. (laughs) I think loot-based shooter is fine because my problem with looter shooter is that the loot-based ecosystems and economies that are sprouting up in all these games are not all shooters. In fact, most of them aren't shooters. A lot of them are DRPGs and action role-playing games and other things like that where looter shooter really only seems to encompass like six games. It's actually not really a useful Moniker. I think loot-based X is how you would describe these games. Loot-based action role-playing game. Loot-based first-person shooter. Loot-based RPG FPS. Like, uh, I think Borderlands is really more of a role-playing game than anything. So, how do you feel about that? Just saying loot-based as the as the prefix. The prefix. I, I just think it's semantic. I think,
4: I think saying looter shooter works fine. I hate it. Because <laughs> yeah, it rhymes? Yeah.
3: I don't like it. You can make a song out of it. I hate this. Schluter is even worse. Schluter is terrible. I mean, I can't with that. Root and toot and loot and shooty or something. shooty. <laughs> someone said to me once. Shoot I, loot. Shoot loot. I don't know. I don't like loot or shooter. Just like I don't like when people say roll credits. I hate it. I hate that term. I hate it. I, there's just certain terms where I'm like, I can't. Roll credits. St- you know, when you beat a game and they're like, I just rolled credits. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'll be real with you. I've never heard anyone say that. Well, you're lucky. You're one of the lucky ones. Yeah, I'm sure if I heard it, my my ears would. Uh, concave into my own skull. Oh, my God. I hate uh, it. I hate it so much. But that's just Colin being Colin, you know? Yeah. You can say whatever the fuck you want. Jeremy Miller wrote into us, a man named Jeremy Miller. He said, hey, CNC, with all the state of play news last week, you skipped over the news that BioWare announced the cancellation of post-launch plans for Anthem. Do you think this is an example of voting with your wallet backfiring? Anthem is the fifth best-selling game of 2019. That must mean at least some people figured if I buy this and tell my friends to buy it, the game will be supported for a long time. Will this shake the trust of the consumer, especially since this is coming from a AAA studio? Can it also disparage new companies from offering a similar roadmap structure of game development? Curious to hear your thoughts. Now, I left this out last week because it did seem disingenuous to say that they've kind of abandoned or canceled their post-launch plans. They did, but that makes it seem like they're just not doing anything. I think that they're just restructuring their approach. And it didn't seem like something that was really that newsworthy because we didn't have the approach yet. So we just know they're doing something different. I'm sick of talking about Anthem in a lot of ways because I feel like we're always shitting on it and it's not really fair to the game. But I did want to bring this up because it is the fifth best-selling game of
0: 2019.
3: Mm -hmm. And uh, is it possible, Chris, that they're reorganizing behind the scenes to better support Anthem based on higher than expected sales? Because I actually think that that's a possibility. Engagement is clearly lower than they wanted. But are they looking at this blue ocean strategy where they're saying like, well, there are like 10 million of these games out there. We might as well really figure out what we want to do as opposed to just shitting things out and supporting it half-assed and waiting for it to die. It doesn't seem like it's actually going to die anytime soon. What do you think? I I don't know. I feel like
4: it, I feel like it's pretty damn dead, but I do think again it it's so This is a weird example too because it's it's one of these things where it's like <laughs> you have a game like Anthem that sold A ton that nobody's playing and then you have like gears that nobody bought and a ton of people are playing it's such a weird just the way that the industry is right now is just so confused like if you took all this information and gave it to somebody from like 10 years ago they'd be like what the hell's going on yeah it's hard to quantify any of it anymore yeah so I, i i guess you know they're they're working on it still it, they might not be doing the roadmap thing. And by the way, when he said, it, oh, w- w- will this discourage people from, will this discourage uh, developers from putting forward a roadmap? I hope so. I don't want to see any more roadmaps. I'm sick of them. I don't need a, f- a damn roadmap. Just give me the game and make sure it's f- finished.
3: And I'll be happy. And then maybe like say something later about like, oh, there's gonna be new stuff. Okay, cool. I totally agree with that. I don't, I don't, I don't need... People Ugh. got so mad at me when I attacked roadmaps. I don't know if you remember that. That was one of the things people got most incensed about really? my commentary since we started Sacred Symbols particularly around E3 with when the Division 2 and everything was announced. And they're like, here is the year one roadmap. And I'm like, the game's not even out for like seven or eight months. So you're telling me what you're going to do in like two years. I don't care. And I know that some people do care a great deal because they want to know that they're going to be engaged. But of course, you're going to be engaged. These guys aren't going to release these games anymore as static objects. No. So... Uh, I, I'm sick of roadmaps, too, because they're always wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't think
4: any of them have stuck 100% to, like, what they're... I don't know. I feel like the roadmap thing is better left to just... Here's the thing. You just put it on a developer blog on the developer website. People who are interested in these games enough that they want to know what's going to happen, they'll they'll seek that information out. Because they're the people who are most engaged anyway. I don't need the main advertising strategy of these games to be here is what the plan is and here's a fancy graphic oh look at how artistically it's drawn and look at all the you know I, i i don't know man i i just think it's it for me personally and i know this isn't the case for a lot of people maybe it's just me and maybe it is just you but i'm just overwhelmed by that shit i just want to know what the game is now and i'll play
3: it if it's good and if it hooks me i'll look into this shit Right, I agree I actually completely agree with you. Just I think it's kind of presumptuous because it's like, well, you don't even know how the game's going to end up. You haven't right. even alpha or beta the game yet. Closed beta, open beta. You haven't adjusted anything. The game hasn't launched yet. You don't know how it's going to be received, and then you're already assuming that this is what you're going to do. It I just te- think it seems
4: cocky almost
3: a yeah. little bit. And I think it's probably a waste of production resources because things are inevitably and invariably going to change. So, yeah. you should at least wait until the game's about to come out or something like that and yeah. then reveal all that stuff i agree but people man i'll or, tell you people got mad at me when i said that around either or at
4: least be vague about it just be like hey there's going to be stuff happening at the around this time don't give me specifics because like well, the second you give me specifics i'm gonna be like oh my god oh my god what's, what, what the hell is that
3: it, it cuts what's, both ways right too because it also people that were into anthem and are in anthem are now not getting what they were promised too so right everyone's kind of hurt now based on these promises you didn't have to make at all and i i, I agree with you chris i think that that's perfectly well said we have one final in piece of input inquiry here. This one one's last
4: one. So like if you're if you're, you know, getting close, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, maybe finish off.
3: Are you talking about jerking off? Yeah, that yeah, guy I in the I beginning. Got I got you. This is when you really want to go into like the last 10% and really do it right. Yeah. Jake Watson wrote in and said, hey, I'm big and Colin and cromulent Chris. Colin, I've seen the word adventure thrown around way too much these days to describe the genre of games which clearly aren't adventure games. I've seen Uncharted, Horizon Zero Dawn, and God of War, and the upcoming Death Stranding described as action adventure. I've tried to explain to people on Reddit that these games, while they may contain a handful of puzzles, aren't adventure games at all. But I'm usually met with a bombardment of downvotes. Can you school these fools on why an adventure game, what an adventure game actually is and that it doesn't just mean that the protagonist is on an adventure? That's every single game. Yeah, the the, the word, if you use the word, you're absolutely right, first of all, in, in writing in Mr. Watson and to the point like adventure does mean something. Whether you want adventure, we used to have this argument at IGN actually specifically about one game, which was Metroid Prime. and. Uh, which is a a really classic, great GameCube game, and there's some argument that it's an adventure game, but I'm like, no, it's not. It's a first-person shooter, and that's the easiest and, and best way to to, de- to describe it. Adventure gaming is usually on PC. It's migrated more to console in the recent years, and doesn't usually require any sort of action or any sort of action input. It's so think about a game like not only like literal click point and click adventure games, which are many, you know, there's tons of those, but think about a game like uh, The Walking Dead from Telltale. Uh, think about a game like walking simulators like everybody's gone to the rapture. These are adventure games, and that's what it means in the confines of video games. Anyone who's calling Death Stranding an action adventure game doesn't know what the word adventure means in the confines of video games. It's not I, I don't, we don't even know what the game's going to be. And I can tell you right now it's not an adventure game. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, adventure means something very specific. It is very PC centric. And it's it's not to say that it's not found on PlayStation, but I agree with you. Back in the day, it, there used to be an action adventure and an adventure. Back in the old NES boxes and mm-hmm. people can picture the black top boxes. There used to be icons in the corner being like this was an adventure game and an action game, but they didn't mean anything. And by the time people really started figuring out this is a platformer, this is a shooter. This is an action game. This is an RPG adventure just started being meaning like Maniac Mansion. You know, Sam and Max. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that's, you know, police quest. That's what adventure is. And to try to redefine it in any other way is wrong. It's a shitty word to use for a specific genre, though. I agree. I will say,
4: because, like, you could... It is hard to argue that, from a colloquial standpoint anyway, that a game like The Last of Us isn't an adventure game. You know what I mean? Because it's such a... The word is universally understood to mean something. It's not like bullet hell, which is, like... To even understand what that means, you have to know what, know what right, it is. Right, no already. video games, yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah, they, we could have uh, planned that out better, I think, as an industry.
3: Yeah, I don't think – yeah, it's funny how it's sometimes things roll away. And I, I Listen, it's one of those situations where I'm like, I don't make the rules. I'm just telling you, like, what the adventure genre is. And we can't – if we really want to have, like, a concerted effort to change what that is, then be prepared to deal with an immense amount of pushback on that because i don't then know how you're going to explain what these other games are too this is by the way
4: exactly why looter shooter works so well because you know
3: exactly what i'm talking about yeah i guess so i guess we've kind of come full circle on that haven't we i still hate it (laughs) i still think loot based shooter makes a lot more sense because then you could say loot because loot based is then can be drawn to anything else yeah loot based action game loot based role-playing game what
4: what what game do you see looter shooter apply to that it doesn't apply to like, is the division not a looter shooter?
3: No, it. I think it is. I, I, I'm not. I don't have a problem with people calling non-shooters that are loot-based looter shooters. What I'm saying is, is that the drive for loot is its own genre, subgenre, right? Right. right. And it's not only encapsulated in third or first-person shooters. It's encapsulated in lots of things. The biggest loot games of all time are role-playing games. They're sure, not yeah. shooters.
4: I, well, here's the thing you know? about it. the th- the one thing I will say about it is I, I think loot-based works for a lot of things. But in the same way that like bullet hell is just kind of this like. Term that's just sort of made up. I think looter shooter is in that vein, where there are like games like like bullet hells that aren't necessarily bullet hells that might have a more definite, you know, genre uh, attached to them. Schmup,
3: for instance. I hate one? that.
4: Yeah, I hate
3: that one. Yeah, yeah.
4: For the same reason I hate shooters. Yeah, yeah. It's you don't like such
3: the a SH gross sound?
4: Yeah, it's a g- Sh- The S H followed Sh- by a Sh-
3: consonant. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, Sh- Sh- yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right gross when you're right you're right chris that's all i have for that is all you have episode yeah, that's that <laughs> so i hope everyone's finished yeah uh you know clean up yeah hope we didn't After dis- and hope don't- we
4: didn't disappoint uh what's his name
3: it's buried in there i'm not gonna find it yeah whoever you are chris i appreciate your time today uh, appreciate uh-huh. everyone out there as well. Hope you enjoyed our episode. Remember to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins slash stand for early ad free access to every episode of the show. The ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas to our show. And by the way, the ability to vote on the Let's Plays we do and all of the rest. It looks like Portal 2 Co-op is going to be the winner. Oh, my God. That we're going to have to do. It's so been a while. I have to break that out on PS3. I have it somewhere. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do, I think, in the coming weeks. And uh, by the way, continue to go to our YouTube channel. Uh, youtubecom slash Collins last Stand side where our Let's Plays exist, as well as the audio versions of this podcast for people that prefer YouTube. We've been doing some Let's Plays there. Chris has been doing some of his own. I think we're going to continue to do that. So give him some nice words and words of support, even though when we he puts up videos about things that happen to us, he never mentions uh, me as being also victimized <laughs> by it. He was the only victim of that thing. I wasn't. Hey, man, I, I couldn't spit. Like, I didn't know what you were thinking about it. No, I don't care. It's fine. I'm not. I'm not, I'm clearly not mad about it. clearly, clearly. All right, everyone, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Remember, next week's episode, if you are listening on Patreon, will be a day late. That's just the way it has to be so I can go see my family. Mm -hmm. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Colin's Last Stand, LLC, and is recorded right here in sunny Santa Monica, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris Argun and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore gun. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to the CLS PO box, PO box one two three three Santa Monica, California 90406. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Martin Beck, Tyler Bellow, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Andrew Bonnell, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Nick Calloway, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Jeremy Cochran, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Mitchell Durkash, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Liam Fagan, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanam Al Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelic, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Eric Harden, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Shane Hendrickson, Wyatt Henry, Robbie Hensley, Asa Haas, Johnny Humphrey, Stephen Insler, Blake Israel, Azan Isa Al Raisi, Josh Yeager, Garrett Jagger, Joshua Johnson, Paul Joyce, Greg Julius, Sharo Kadir Hama Karim, Anton Kaye, Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Anti Kinninen, James Kinslow Third, Ryan R. Kittredge, Kenneth Kopnick, Joshua Koga, Andre Kozotska, Ron Krauskopf, Jackson Lasequa, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Matthew Lenz, Jeffrey Leonard, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M., Kiet Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, David Mann, Matt Martin, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Philip J. Melk, Andrew Mendoza, Matthew Miller, Alex Moans, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Daniel Parsons Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit Travis Plimel, Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R. Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, Jose Salinas John Scholes, Michael Shanholtz Toby Schutman, Alex Schute, Glendon Cole Simper Joshua Smallwood, Daniel Streicharsk Ahmad Tamar, Will Velander, Ben Thompson Ren Todd, Carl Tolman, Alan Trembley, Raymond Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters Connor Walton, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayne, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Bloody Fang, Hugo's Desk, Casual Misfits Gaming, Homeworld Hub, Throw7, Dog 18 Infinite, Organic Produce, MadMock Media, Fabian, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Richter86, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Scott, Rainick, and Donk2015.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home,